get your ass right and your mind will follow. Welcome to the Cauldron of Gaming podcast show, a video game show for witches, wizards, and the magical at heart who play games, listen to stuff, and watch things. I'm your host, Frankie. Today I'm joined by the meticulous Josh. I always go toe first and then everything else follows. And we have here today with us the imaginative Fabrice. Oh, hi, guys. Oh, Hello. hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> this week, we'll be updating you all on what we've been playing, reading, listening to, and watching. Thoughts on the Horizon Forbidden West PlayStation State of Play. And for the meat and potatoes of the episode, we will be talking JRPGs versus Western RPGs. That'll be fun. I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. So anyway, guys, um, talking RPGs, do you guys have an ultimate crush character from an RPG? Hmm. Wow. Ultimate crush. Ultimate I guess crush. I'll start. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, my ultimate crush is Alistair from Dragon Age. I lusted after him. And I, of course, always play as a male character. And he wasn't into being with guys, but like, I was his best friend, and then I played that game all over again just to uh, be with him. I played as a female, and then we were dating, and we had a great time, but then he broke up with me because I wasn't of noble heritage, and I was fighting with him. I was like, no, we can still do this. We can make it work, and he's like, I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen, and it felt like I was literally being broken up with. I cried tears like as if I was, as if Fabrice was breaking up with me. I was devastated. And it turns out that you can somehow make him still stay with you. And I didn't just didn't figure it out. And I was so pissed off. I don't, I don't even know. I don't know how you do that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Alistair for me. Okay. You know what? I'm glad you asked. I've had to think about it really hard. And uh, for me, it, I think it has to be, uh, it's Ellie. Ellie from Xenogears, actually. Elheim Ben Elheim, Elheim, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't. I think I. I think the reason why I was just enamored with her is uh, I think it has something to do with just the whole reincarnation thing going on. In that, then that, in the uh, I don't want to go too depth into Xenogears, but just the fact that regardless, that he, he always found her. He always found her, and um, and actually listening to Retrograde Amnesia, a podcast about uh, classic RPGs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out that like every time Elheim died, she always told him, please just live. Mm-hmm. That was always her dying words was just live. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, I'd have to say that. Even though I gotta be honest with you, something happened to me in my most recent playthrough of Mass Effect and it, that person's heart, I broke, it broke my heart. <laughs> I guess we can dive into that later. Sure, sure. <laughs> Fabrice, have you ever had a crush on an RPG character? You're probably going to judge me really badly, but I had a big crush on uh, Waka from uh, Final Fantasy X. Waka's uh, awesome. Waka's awesome. He is hot. He's an idiot. There's not much to him, but he's just a nice little treat to look at. What do you think like, about it, though? How many people do you know can beat the crap out of somebody with a ball? <laughs> there's some. There's plenty of people out there who can. Well, not, not like Waka. Not like Waka. Yeah, not, not like him, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of an airhead. Is that why you like me? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, yeah. Right. No, he's, he's, um, 
Yeah, he's an idiot, but man, when he's on the screen, he's got a really he's, sexy he's like he's outfit. like he's kind of like bouncing around, right? He's kind of like watching him like move. It's his accent too. It's okay, like, <laughs> he's reliable. He's kind. He's a hero. Like, what's not to like there? There's nothing really not to like except that he's kind of um, airheaded like me. <laughs> mm. Okay. Okay, <laughs> I actually need to play. I need to play through. Uh, ten, I, I need to play through ten again. I've been talking about that game with my uh, my roommate, my best friend. And I don't know why we we talked about like the the sequel to it recently and all that fun jazz. And anyway, I'm not. Gonna you know, do. I'm gonna throw it out there uh, in between segments, but it would be interesting for us to do like a spoiler cast of Final Fantasy X-2 because I've never played it. It sounds mm. like you've never played it, Josh. I have actually just didn't I didn't uh I didn't finish it though. Well, even more reason to do a spoiler cast and Fabrice mm-hmm. loves it, I'm pretty sure. I've always wanted to play it. You guys in? Maybe I'm a down. few months down. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. So long as we actually you know talk about Hellblade 2 at some point. <laughs> Hellblade 2? I gotta get Hellblade 2. No, no, no. The first one. The first one. T O O. Hellblade 2. Hellblade also. Yep, 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 yep. Also in conjunction. All right. It's, it seems like it's a torture for us to play this <laughs> no, beautiful all. game, but we'll finish it. <laughs> it's all good. I'm just, I'm giving you a hard time. All right, guys. Well, uh, it's been missing for a while, but uh, the segment comes back. I've prepared a game for you all. Are you all ready for this? I am so ready for this. Febreze just does not look like he... I'm ready. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I call this game Who Could It Be Now? <laughs> Who Could It Be Now? Uh, I'm going to give you guys the name of an obscure character from a video game. I'm going to give you three choices on what or who that character is, and I'm going to let you all guess which is the correct description of that character. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, you all ready? I think so. All right. This is a game called Silhouette Mirage. Came out for the PlayStation 1. The character is Dynamis. Was she a double-headed sheep dragon, a large humanoid butterfly, or a giant fish with a doll's head? Sheep butterfly. Yeah, I was going to say option two. You're both going option two? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, well... No points for anybody. <laughs> Yay. Well, you know, if we're going to not do well, we'll do, we'll do, <laughs> we'll do well together. together. Yeah. <laughs> there actually is a large humanoid butterfly in that game, but her mm. name is not Dynamis. Dynamis is the giant fish with a doll's head. Of course. <laughs> of course. Points for nobody. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. Killer Seven. This character is named Susie Sumner. Okay. Three options for who she is. Uh, she slashes her wrist. She slashes her wrists. That's such a hard word to say. Wrist, she slashes yeah, her yeah. wrists to summon the ex-wife of one of the other characters. She's a decapitated oh. head that gives magical rings or she's an adopted cosplaying daughter invincible in the darkness. I'm going to go with the cosplaying daughter who's invincible in the darkness. Okay. I'm going to go with really hard. I'm going to go with option one. That one sounded good too, honestly. She slashes her wrist to summon the ex-wife of one of the characters. That's pretty extreme too. 
no points for anybody again. Oh Nobody's winning. <laughs> Nobody's winning. Yeah, God dang. In Killer 7, Susie Sumner is a decapitated head that gives you magical gives, rings. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> she, she's like spit the rings out of her mouth? Like how does she give people magical rings? Yeah, specifically I do remember <laughs> when you open like uh, this dryer and her head is in it and she uh-huh. has the ring in her teeth. She always gives you the ring out of her mouth. <laughs> oh, <God>. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, not a good start. Not a good start. Let's move on to the third question. Okay. Here's Mega Man X6. The character, Ground Scaravich. Now, is Ground Scaravich... It sounds a- like cabbage. Sorry. It sounds like something like a, a cabbage dish. Sorry. Quiet, you. Okay. <laughs> is Ground Scaravich a disaster relief walking stick worker... A treasure hunting dung beetle or a part time club owning burrowing cockroach? A dung beetle. Y'all took the dung beetle? Mm -hmm. Okay, you get the point. Finally, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ground Scaravich is a treasure hunting dung beetle. If you look at the art for his character, he is sitting on a giant robotic piece of poop. So maybe he's collecting robot poop, which is like used oil or something. Wouldn't that? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think about that. No, I'm not going there. No, I'm not going there. Fabrice and Josh are tied at one point. Mm -hmm. And nobody's winning still. Two points. Yep. (laughs) Maybe I made this game too hard. (laughs) We're going back to another Suda51 game. This game is Killer is Dead. The character is Vivian Squall. Now, I have three options here. She uses multiple arms to fire 16 guns at once. The assistant who prepares soft-boiled eggs perfectly. Or she suffers from back pain after being infected by dark matter from the moon. Option one. I'm going to do the third option because, yeah, if you go to the moon, it makes sense to have back pain. There is a character who suffers from back pain after visiting the moon. And uh, that's not her. being infected by dark matter. <laughs> that's not Vivian Squall. Fabrice, you got that point. She nice. sprouts arms from her back and mm-hmm. fires 16 guns at once. Okay. She's great. That game she sounds pretty not. awesome. <laughs> okay. We're on the okay. fifth question, guys. Okay. This is from a little indie game you guys might have heard of called Tekken. The character is named Zafina. Now, I have three traits here, which is correct. Now, Zafina, is she a long descended from the ancient evil Azazel? Does her name come from Zafir, which is uh, in Arabic? uh, I'm sorry, which in Arabic means guardian? Or uh, does she fight using the style named ancient assassin arts? Ancient Assassin Arts. Option B. Okay. Her name comes from Zephyr, which in Arabic actually means victorious, not guardian. Josh, you got it right. She actually, her fighting style is called Ancient Assassination Arts. Mm. Which makes no sense. (laughs) That means uh, Josh and Fabrice, you're both tied at two points each. Nope, nobody. Don't forget nobody. Nobody's winning. And nobody's tied with us, too. Nope. Nobody. Yep. 
Nobody. Mm-hmm. The third person playing with us. You can't see them, though. Did you take your pills today? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Which pills were they? <laughs> Question 60, guys. This game is called Alundra. It's an RPG from the PlayStation 1. The character is named Bonaire. Bonaire? Is Bonaire a carefree villager who serves and smokes weed? Is he the priest of the village who's in cahoots with the demons? Or is he the father figure who often says, oi, and you know what I'm saying? Ew. I'm going to go with option three. <laughs> I'm going to go with option B. Why'd you say ew? I don't know. I didn't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> the character who says, oi, and you know what I'm saying, is Jesse. The priest is a different character as well. Bonaire is the carefree villager who smokes weed and surfs. Nobody I got a play, point you know, there. I, I have, I have, <laughs> I have Alundra, but I never actually played it. I don't know. Oh, it's so good. good. <laughs> yes, you both, you both have played it. No, <laughs> I played it and I love it. I think it's so good. Uh, working Designs uh, brought that over, and everything Working Designs does is amazing. They did such a good job on every game they brought mm-hmm. over. I wish they I were think still I have around. Four of their, well, one of them's three games. They did Lunar and Lunar 2. They did Silhouette Mirage, which we had a question about before. I never played that one. I didn't know they brought that over. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. Okay. You guys are still pointed. Poid. Then they also did um, Vanguard's, Vanguard's Bandits. I bought that when they said they were closing down the PlayStation Store, so I have uh, I have that to play. That's uh, added to my huge backlist. Right <laughs> Backlog. On. Backlog. Anyway, guys, we only have three questions left. You guys got to uh, do something. <laughs> you guys are tied at two points each. Uh, nobody. Don't forget nobody. This is a game that only people know because it's one of my favorites, of course, Final Fantasy Tactics. Okay. The character is Zalbag Bolv. Three options here. Is Zalbag Bolv the good brother who sacrificed birds, the Lukavi Adramalek? Is he the bad brother who becomes the Lukavi Adramalek? Or is he the coward brother who died by the Lukavi Adramalek? B, bad brother. A. Sweet. Dice Targ was the bad brother who became a Dremelec. Zalbag was the good brother who defeated Dice Targ, but then Dice Targ became a Dremelec and killed Zalbag. Oh, God. You know, yeah, of course, you got to be the one. I play Tactics once, and of course, you're the person who plays it like once every year. So. <laughs> I love that game. Okay. That's awesome. Zalbag. I know Fabrice didn't even play it. Good job, Fabrice. Yeah, good. Yes, yeah, that's awesome. Fabrice has three points. Josh has two points. Two questions. Nobody left. has two points. Oh, yeah. Don't forget and, nobody. And nobody. Everybody has two forgets points. nobody. Yeah. Question eight. Mm-hmm. Donut County. Donut County. The character is Coco. Is Coco the raccoon who caused all this mess with an app? Is Coco the best friend crocodile who lived? 
who lives, who loves to tan. The best, the best friend crocodile who loves to tan. There, we said it right. <laughs> or the dog who eats bread and is a certified loaf. A. I'm going with C, even though dogs shouldn't eat bread because it's actually poisonous. But I must no. be tricking you guys like crazy. No points for anybody. Nobody Coco? got another point. Coco's the best friend crocodile who loves to tan. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Crocodiles like to do that. I guess. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> All right, Josh, you need to get this one right to tie, or Fabrice, you're running away with the win. We got Don't our last nobody. question here. Fabrice is tied with nobody. Uh-huh. Yep. You need to get out of here with that nobody business. I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> this game uh, is Star Ocean, the second story. The nice. character is Ernest Ravide. Is Ernest the dual-wielding swordsman possessed by a double-headed dragon, the brat orphan boy genius, the brat orphan boy genius mage with cat ears, or is he the three-eyed archaeologist alien who's a boyfriend to another party member? B. I'm gonna go with B as well. No. Nobody got another point. Nobody won. No. No. <laughs> The dual-wielding swordsman possessed by a double-headed dragon is Ashton. The brat orphan boy genius mage with cat ears is Leon. Ernest is the three-eyed archaeologist alien who's a boyfriend to another party member, which is Opera. Opera, what a beautiful name for a character, by the way. All right, but you don't run into that guy. Do you, you run into that guy until, like, is it, like, mid-game? It's way it... late game. That's what or... I thought, because, yeah, it's like, if I recall that game, you, like... You think you're like in a like a not primitive world, but you know, back of the woods type world. Nothing's going on, and you go through to metro through a cave, and you find out, oh my god, there's a big world out there. <laughs> that means Fabrice wins with three points, and Josh loses with only a little measly That's fine. two points. Don't forget nobody, Fabrice. You win a year supply of kibbles and bits. Final Fantasy branded potion seltzer drink don't drink it (laughs) (laughs) don't drink it it's a trap god i need to think of those better i just like come up with them at the last no that wasn't bad (laughs) next time i'll think of a good prize yeah think of all the super villains that said next time gadget or (laughs) guys it takes so much work to think of these games i figured actually like put them together and then at the end i'm like shit i didn't put together what the prize was that's all good we're gonna do better we're improving as a podcast. We're 20. This is episode 21. We've come so far and we're still doing it and we're still improving and we're still working on it. So like, good for us guys, like yeah. snaps for us. This is, I'm so glad we have this podcast and we're doing this shit. So, Hey, whatever. There's some pitfalls and stumbles, but there's also victories and uprises. Crocodiles and snakes. And lizards. Guys. Let's go ahead and update everybody. Okay. I think they want to know what we've been doing. Yeah. Let's uh, yeah. let's bring it down a little bit. <laughs> Sim it down. Get a little intimate with a, with the listeners out there. Okay. <clears throat> Josh. Yes. What have you been playing? Playing. Well, I've been playing one game. Well, actually, not one game. We'll call it a trilogy. I've been playing a trilogy. Uh, I picked up Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the way, 
I don't know why everybody made a big deal about how you don't get to see Miranda's ass. You get to see her ass just fine. It's just, I thought so too. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I don't get it. Like it's, I mean, the only thing that that sucks about it is uh, actually no, you know, all I can say is playing the game on insanity is definitely insane. It is stupidly insane. Um, Let's see here. One of the bosses I spent like three hours fighting (laughs) because I kept dying all the goddamn time. Yeah, so for listeners out there, Josh is choosing to get that trophy to play on Insanity Mode. Mm -hmm. I'm playing on Veteran, which is harder than I played the game before, and it's harder, but I can't even imagine Insanity. That's that's nuts. How about here about this? Okay, so in the third game, enemies like to throw grenades, and if you do not get out of the blast radius of the grenade, it is a one-shot kill. I've had one (laughs) flashbang grenade thrown at me lately <laughs> those mm-hmm. they give you a little damage but it's like nothing but that's mm-hmm. it no oh, it's it's yeah yeah and there's an enemy in mass effect 3 that literally if you get too close to them they will pick you up and kill you and that will pick you up and push their arm through your belly and you're dead you're it's, already on three yeah i'm on three jesus yeah <laughs> i don't know how close i am to the end i'm hoping i think i'm close but i found out something kind of crazy so apparently mm, unless you play like engineer in the third game, you cannot get all the trophies in one playthrough. You have to, there's one trophy that I'm going to have to play the game again to get. Um, it's caught as setting enemies on fire. So you can't use any of your teammates abilities that causes enemies to go on fire. Like you can in the second game. So I have to play as my, uh, what do you call it? My um, infiltrator in the third game to be able to, get that last trophy that I'm going to be missing by the time I'm done playing. It's okay. I, um, we <laughs> clarified when Josh and I were talking about the game that like that you don't have to play as uh, an engineer and an adept to get all the trophies in the first game. Cause you can get the trophies from using your uh, teammates abilities. Same with, same with mass effect two. And you I can't do that in three. Not in three, apparently. Yeah, it's really frustrating. So, and I should quit myself. Not it's not engineer in the uh, third game. It's you want to play. You have to play. I think it's. I think when you like transfer your character over from the first game, and maybe when you start a new character too, if you're playing as the, uh, uh, what do you call it? infiltrator, you get a uh, the fire bullet ability. So it carries over uh, the, in the third yeah, game. Yeah, the incendiary. Uh, incendiary. Yeah, incendiary. Yep, incendiary rounds. And uh, so apparently, like, uh, what is it, uh, James in the first in the second in the third game, he has it. But when you pick the ability and make it so everybody can use it, it doesn't count. And then uh, Edie, she has the uh, what do you call it, the tech ability that, that sets up people enemies on fire. That doesn't doesn't work either. But you can do everything else. <laughs> so just huh. keep that in mind yeah i kind of i mean but you're, it's only for like trying to get all the trophies like for trying to do what i'm doing which is you know i was able to get everything to the my the second through the second game got all the trophies my one that one playthrough so in this playthrough i'm gonna have to go back and play at least at least maybe i'll have to finish the game but i have to play the first part and with just my uh with just my uh infiltrator <laughs> i guess um real quick if uh i do have mass effect on my my uh what have i been playing lately too so i'll just put it in here so we don't have to like Mm -hmm. have a big chunk where i just bring it up again um (laughs) i beat the first mass effect uh which i've never done before uh it was so much easier to play at this time um 
the graphics, the performance, the gameplay was much improved. I really enjoyed my time. Uh, the final battle was so gorgeous. I loved it. The, the lighting effects are amazing. And I love the improved character models. Um, everything was stellar. Uh, I'm really glad I finally beat the first Mass Effect because like a lot of the small choices I made actually carried over into Mass Effect 2. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the small things that I did was um, there was a scientist at Saren's lab in the first game that uh, she was in a sorry and I let her go. And then she showed up in the second game. She's like, I know you. Do you remember me? And I was like, oh, my God, I do remember you. <laughs> we we nuked that place, but I let you get away. And that was really cool. It's really cool that, like, small choices like that really matter and, like, come up as you keep playing the series. I, I, I never played the first Mass Effect, so seeing something small like that really blew me away. And I loved it. Uh, but right now I'm just recruiting characters. Um, I'm in the second phase, so I'm about to recruit Thane um, and uh, Samara and what have you. And so I'm like in the second phase of recruiting characters. Um, There's a big jump when you play the first Mass Effect and go into the second Mass Effect. Like, it looks so gorgeous. Uh, Mm -hmm. Everything is so much better. Like, the ammo system is a thing. One of my favorite guns has like really little ammo. So I'm constantly like searching out there for ammo drops. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything is just so much better. And then all I had to add to this was like playing Mass Effect 2 is reminding me why I love Mass Effect so much. I think Mass Effect 2 is one of my favorite games of all time. And playing it again with these improved um, aspects of it is it's making me so happy and I'm really, really, really loving my time with this game. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in love. <laughs> I'm kind of with you there. So I, mean, I can't say, I mean, I'm so I'm a veteran of the first game. I have played the first game quite a few times and uh, bef- even before this legendary came out. And um, <clears throat> for me, the hardest transition was going, this is a yeah, hell. This was back when, I, when I got second game on day one when it came out on the 360. Uh, the switch from having you know a gun that would overheat to having a gun that has ammo is probably for me the worst thing that possibly happened to Mass Effect. Um, but I know where they, I understand where they're trying to go. Go, go. Get they turned it into more of an RPG shooting game, and that's a lot more prevalent in the third game for sure. It's kind of like everything they learned from the first to the second, well, really actually everything they learned from the, the second game into the third game, it's a refinement of almost everything. I mean, one of the things that I love that they did in the Legendary Edition was make it so you can use any ability, use any weapon that you wanted to in the mm-hmm. first one where originally you couldn't do that. And then you go to the second game and then you're like, you're restricted to your class weapons. Yep. <laughs> so, which is like, <laughs> what? and then you do get, a, you do get a pick a third weapon at basically the halfway through the game. Uh, and then, uh, which is cool. So I was able to do what I was, what I was able to do actually increasing my ability to survive <laughs> once I was able mm-hmm. to get this gun and uh, a sniper rifle. Cause uh, when you play as a, uh, oh, what is it called? An adept, mm-hmm. which is a bio, pure biotic abilities. You're restricted to a submachine gun and a pistol. It's like, I'm playing hell? as an adept. Yeah. yeah. It, it kind of sucks. Cause I want to use assault rifles and shotguns, but I yep. can't. <laughs> Not yet, well, at least. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll you're gonna be able to soon. You'll be able to pick either a shotgun or a or a assault rifle here pretty soon. So, which is really cool. I, that's so that part I do like. But um, going into the third game, 
I I was thinking about this, like going from the second into the third game, because I've actually never played through the whole third game. And uh, I was like, how cool would it be if you could just use whatever weapon you wanted, but you'd have to pay penalties to use whatever, if it wasn't part of your class. And ah, awesome thing in the third game, you can use whatever weapon you want, but it does, the weight of the weapon impacts your cooldown of your abilities. Ah, okay. That's cool. Yeah. So it still encourages you to, encourages you to use like, you know, a pistol and a submachine gun, because then you can keep using your biotic abilities like all the damn time. But for me, like I'm using a, a sniper rifle and a pistol and I'm still able to use my stuff quite often, but I'm also able, actually I went to an assault rifle, assault rifle and a sniper rifle. And without uh, uh, playing Mass Effect 3 yet, I'm really mm-hmm. excited to play all the DLC I wasn't able to before. Oh, not able to. Uh, the DLC I just didn't play. I'm really excited for the DLC of Mass Effect 3 and mm-hmm. um, the overall gameplay, because I remember Mass Effect 3 just being really interesting in the battles that they were doing in that game uh already the battles are way more interesting in mass effect 2 than they were in one so i'm just you're right like basically you can tell that uh they improved upon one when they went to two and i'm pretty sure they improve on two when they went to three absolutely it's just my opinion that mass effect 2 was my favorite one though Mm -hmm. i I think it still is I have to say, like going from playing through one, two, and into three, it kind of made me it made me appreciate three a little bit more. Even though, yes, I still have to beat the game to see the endings, because that was the whole reason why I am somebody who is uh, both hates and loves video games. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and I can't um, wait to hear your thoughts. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah. and when you asked earlier, like if what RPG character, you know. That we have a diehard crush for. I have a new crush actually now from playing the uh, Mass Effect games, and I have to say, Miranda, I like her a lot. I actually broke up with Miranda in the third game, and it broke my heart because um, I'm trying to continue my romance with Ashley from the first game. Ew! <laughs> have you seen Ashley in Mass Effect Three? Anyway. Yeah, she's beautiful, but she's, she's a, a fucking bomb. piece of scum. <laughs> Actually, she's not in the third. In the third game, she's not. A, she's not at all, man. Did she learn? I don't know if she'd learn. I, I would. I mean, she hasn't ever actually. If as far as so far, well, here's one thing. Weird thing. She's on the Normandy. You don't get her till like basically halfway through the game, back on your crew. And I can't find her on the goddamn ship. <laughs> I found her twice in the same room, and then in front of a memorial. Otherwise, I can't find her. And when between missions, I'll check and talk to people if there's any new dialogue. And she's no, I can't find her anywhere in the ship. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. The first time I played Mass Effect, I started with Mass Effect Two because I remember playing Mass Effect One with my friend, and I played it on his Xbox. But uh, I, I started with Mass Effect Two, where you have to make your decisions with a comic book style thing that happens at the beginning, and you don't really Watch get the that. whole context of everything it was you're doing. So hard watching that comic book. So like, hey. Ashley was the character that I let live the first time I played, and then she came over in my Mass Effect Three playthrough, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, she's really sexy in the third game. She she looks uh, beautiful, but now that I've really gotten into the lore and played more of the series i i ooh, i don't like ashley okay. <laughs> i was telling fabrice and i think i told you too one of the lines that i i heard that is one of the most egregious from her is um i can't tell the aliens apart from the animals <laughs> which is disgusting it'd be like I- if we were 
I seriously no, think I'm not that was, compare it to I seriously think I mean I as I wonder I will play I'll play I'll, I'm I'm I've one playthrough that I'm being a complete asshole to her. So I want to see what see if I can get that her to say that. I don't know if she says that unless you say something to her. Fabrice so. was there too and I, I I this is my playthrough and I'm being mm-hmm. a total asshole asshole to her. It's like right after she came onto our ship and I was coming out of the med bay. She's like, oh my God, I'm so glad to see you up on your feet. And the first thing I said to her, uh, the first thing I said to her was, what are you doing here? Yep. Why are you on my ship? Yeah. Why are you on my ship? Yeah. Uh, yep. That's kind of, yep. And then you, and Anderson comes up to you and you ask her, why is she on my ship? She's like, it's not you on my ship. ship. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh God. Oh man. But here's the one thing I'm going to, I'm going to be the person who's going to defend Ashley though. And here's why I'm going to, I mean, I won't go too much into it, but you have to talk to her. You have to talk to her. You can't be an asshole to her completely understand where she I can't. She's already dead in my place. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just because you have to understand where, who she is and who her family is and how it all correlates to the f- first contact war. And I won't, I won't say anything more than that. Uh, yeah. That's so funny. Yep. Let's move on from Mass Effect. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> when, I love it. I what love else it. have you uh, been? Uh, uh, so I've been so wrapped up in Mass Effect. I haven't done very much other than uh, as far as uh, I've been watching an anime called Majestic Prince. And basically it's just a, it's a mech anime. And um, I'm finding it hard to describe this anime because I literally... The reason why I picked it up was because I was on YouTube and I saw a, a fight with these mechas and I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to check this out. And I got the anime and I'm watching it and uh, the mechs are awesome. Um, the story is pretty awesome, but the characters, some of the characters are kind of hard to digest. Um, there's one, there's one character that loves pickled, uh, pickled squid intestines and she'll put it on her rice and she eats it and she's also insanely busty is um is totally boy crazy and that's all she thinks about and she's expected to fly an important machine and kick ass (laughs) and she's annoying as hell (laughs) she's annoying as hell um and then you have one character who always gets stomach aches and um then you have another character who her thing is making sweets and like cake and cookies and no one likes them <laughs> and is this and, a food anime it's no no it's food. just no, no it's just two characters like there's two characters that like food and then uh the one character i do like is uh the main character who just wants to fight the enemy and wants to be a hero and loves to draw anime or draw manga I like him though. It's so weird. It's, I don't know. It's not weird. It's just, a, it's a mecha anime. And I would say if you like Gundam, then if you ever see an opportunity to watch Majestic Prince, it's not a horrible watch. It's just some characters. It's like any other, some animes you watch, especially the shonen animes. It's usually that one character that you completely hate because they're insanely annoying. So, uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, watching anime Gundam, bullshit. Though, usually, like you watch Gundam, and usually it's the main character who, like, you can't stand the main character sometimes unless it's Hiro Yui. <laughs> so, from Gundam for, uh, for listeners out there who might want to watch Majestic Prince, what are you watching it on? 
I actually own the DVD. I own the Blu-rays. Um, oh, you, okay. I'm, sure you, I'm sure you can watch it on. Um, oh, I'm sure watch it. I'm sure you can watch it on any stream. Oh, not any streaming platform. You can probably go to a mirror site like uh, GoGo Anime. Online For listeners, or... that was a dog. If you could hear that, she. <laughs> uh, I'll have to check. I, I'm. I'm sure you can find it somewhere. All right. Yep. Yep. That's, that's really. That's basically been it, man. Well, I guess, um, thanks, Josh, for the oh, update. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, for for every segment we've ever had of uh, updating people, it's just been Fabrice and I combined. So <laughs> that's going to be right now, right, Fabrice? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Okay. My first note here is I finally got Fabrice into the nanny. I'll let him describe what that show is. (laughs) Describe it. I don't know. And you you had me start like season two, maybe. Is that when you had me start watching it? Because you kind of know. See, this is a show from my childhood that I really love. It's a sitcom that I used to watch when I was little. And they recently added it to HBO Max. So I've been watching the whole series like passively sometimes i just put it on the in the background and sometimes i just like uh watch it actively but fabrice has been there for some of it and uh what do you know he's been interested in in that show what show is this again the nanny oh (laughs) okay okay which is funny because when I was a kid, we only had like three three channels. Um, the nanny was always on. I hated it. I always skipped it or <laughs> just had it on in the background, but turned the, like the volume down. But I don't know. Now that I'm older and watching it, she's so she's so charming, and cute, and fashionable, and and honest. And I don't know. There's something about her I really like. So watching these episodes, I kind of really like the nanny. you can get the story of the show uh that's that's the perfect thing about the show too is that the intro just always describes the origin story of the show uh it stars fran drescher who is charming beyond belief has like a grating but like lovable voice uh unique but uh the song the intro song and one and a two and a three she was working in a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens, till her boyfriend kicked her out in one of those crushing scenes. What was she to do? Where was she to go? She was out on her fanny. So out on the bridge to Sheffield's door, she was there to sell makeup, but the father saw more. She had style. She had flair. She was there. That is, that's how she became the nanny. <laughs> oh Who would have guessed that the girl we described? was just exactly what the doctor prescribed now the father finds her beguiling watch out cc and the kids are actually smiling such joie de vivre she's the lady in red when everybody else is wearing tan the flash is open flushing the nanny named fran Bam. hey hey, <laughs> hey okay so that's the story of the show <laughs> i still think that um there's a nanny who can still outclass her just saying who what i what? hate you <laughs> <laughs> i hate you for even miss poppins miss poppins anyway i'm just saying she has an umbrella she can fly <laughs> that wasn't a good fart sound but there we it's go okay. that's a good one <laughs> no fran is. Harry fran poppins is awesome. can go suck a fuck 
she probably doesn't my nanny of choice is fran drescher (laughs) anyway yeah we've been watching that show um it's i it's my favorite sitcom like i i'm reminded of how much i love that show i the before it was available on streaming i was watching a lot of the golden girls and i was like oh man i love the golden girls but seeing the nanny i was like no this is the show that was for me (laughs) this is my show this is the frankie show like made for frankie and i'm so glad that fabrice is into it now too it's it's funny and like uh it might have its stumbles uh we definitely watched uh an episode that was about Fran thinking that she was a black heritage that had its stumbles that wouldn't stand up today. There's a few jokes about um, trans uh, genderedness that might not stand today too. But uh, overall, it's like a pretty friendly show towards the gay community and um, to people overall. It's generally non-offensive. Like most shows from the 90s really don't stand up today. And the nanny kind of does. In, except mm. for those voice I said. Otherwise, um, Fabrice and I, um, when we want to watch movies, we we put up a game of Super Smash Brothers, a uh, four-player game, and we put it to all <laughs> CPUs, level eight, and then we assign a movie to each of the four characters, and then we pick random for all of them. <laughs> and then whoever the last standing character is, is the movie that, that we movie. end up watching. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, the last time we did that, we watched uh, Your Next again. We've both seen that movie, but we hadn't seen it in a a while. It's a horror movie that we both really liked. We just didn't really remember that much. Uh, It's so good. And I want all of our listeners, if I know it's hard to find a horror movie that's good, Your Next is good. And that's why we put it on that list. We, we just wanted to confirm and see it again and be like, is that movie as good as we remember? Yes, it is. That reason I throw it to you. Tell me about your next. Who was the character? Well, there's the main character, Aaron. What is it? Her boyfriend ends up going to a family retreat with his family and she tags along and um i don't was their mother going through some kind of substance abuse and she kind of just kind of got over it it's that why they it most horror movies seem so unrealistic but this one seems like very realistic like everything seemed like like it was a true movie like horror movies don't really make a lot of sense but this one makes a lot of sense in the whole way through really i think okay uh, yeah, I think she went through, uh, the mom went through like a, a substance abuse for a little bit, but like um, she's having all the kids over because I think it's their anniversary, right? It's like some yeah, anniversary. Yeah, like 30, 30 years or 35 years, something like that. Yeah, Yeah, she has four kids, I think, um, like three sons and a daughter, and they all bring over their significant others. So there's like 10 characters there, and uh, they're being stalked by killers. So these uh, these killers start like harassing the family is all I can say really, and it's a uh, it's it's a really intense, crazy, unpredictable ride. Uh, it's very well written. Everything makes sense. Like it's one of the I would I'm, I'm I'm gonna go out there and say it's one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. Okay, would you say so that, Fabrice? Which one of them? One of them. Yeah. Yeah. 
So who was Super Smash Brother that represented that game? Rob. <laughs> I remember when it, we picked random characters and then like it showed up and Rob was there and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, of course, Rob's going to win. Cause I've been trying to get Fabrice to watch Melancholia. Cause I want to see it again too. But every time we put Melancholia on the list, it's always a dumbass character. The last, I can't remember who it was for that game, it was some dumbass character, but the oh, last time we we fit trainer, it was we fit trainer. Yeah, and then like I was like, okay, I'm gonna put Melancholia on here again, and then it turned out to be Ice Climbers that time, and I was like, oh my god, come on! <laughs> no, before that one, you didn't even because the last time it was Yoshi, and you weren't even having it. So we yeah, I was like, it. no. <laughs> yeah. Every time I picked Melancholia, they always picked like a dumbass character to be. It's like I really want to see this movie, and Febreze, I want him to see this movie, and then it's like ice climbers like oh god we're never gonna see this movie <laughs> that's awesome do you guys have all the amiibos no just all the uh, dlc characters but... okay that's one of the cool things i thought i thought was really cool about the, the amiibos is that let's say you have like the link and you play as link you could um it will keep track of how you play your link and you can assign it to like the amiibo and then the cpu acts more like how you play okay I don't know. I've looked into Amiibos and then I didn't realize they were expensive, as expensive as they were. Mm. So mm, that's all good. To... I mean, that's probably, that's probably one of the worst parts about the Amiibo market is that if you don't buy them when they first come out, they end up being like expensive later. For real, for real. I have like a $80 figure up here. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we that same day, we actually did two rounds of the Super Smash Brothers movie poll. This was the one that uh, Melancholia was Ice Climbers. I can't remember who the winning one was, but it was Pandorum. Um, that's an I love that movie. <laughs> an Animal Crossing character. That's oh, it was the villager. Yeah. <laughs> she. I remember Ken was in that game. Ken from Street Fighter. Uh-huh. And the villager, every time she got her special, she used it on Ken. After she was she like, I Ken. am not going to watch that movie. And she like kept <laughs> killing him. <laughs> he was like the first one to die. <laughs> but uh, yeah, villager represented Pandorum, um, which is, I think, uh, an aughts, like a 2000s movie, uh, oh, sci-fi movie. 2000, 2009. Oh, it's, it's like up there with Event Horizon. Like if you like Event Horizon, watch Pandorum. This is anyway. so interesting to hear because I don't think right. Fabrice and I feel as highly in that movie as you do. Okay. That's just uh, my kind of horror. My notes on it here, and then I'll let Fabrice talk after this. My notes are that it's not an awful movie. It's oh. a future sci-fi thriller. The pacing was bad. The story is curious, but it has an interesting twist at the end. Um but I'm honestly going to warn people that it's probably not worth watching. And I'll get into that after Fabrice gives his thoughts. And then Josh, we can get your thoughts too. This will be interesting. (laughs) It was, it was okay. I mean, yeah, the pacing was off. I think the story was interesting. Um, I didn't like any of the characters. (laughs) Um, I just, I feel like they could have chopped at least like 30 to 35 minutes of that movie off and it would have been a little bit better. I feel like the dialogue was just repetitive and just people kept repeating shit over and over again, but 
it had a happy ending. So that's a good thing. Seemingly happy, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what I thought too. Seemingly, yeah, but I, do, I do agree with Josh. I love like sci-fi, space horror, uh, kind of movies. Um, but I don't know. That just didn't do it for me. See, I thought the movie was cool. I thought the story was really interesting. It's just like it felt like some point past like the two-thirds point, it was moving really slow, and that there was a lot that it could have cut. Um, that's okay. kind of the point where I was like, oh my god, just come on. Um, but f- when it started getting to the meat and potatoes of the story, uh, I think Fabrice saw the twist before I did. Um, not I'm trying not to spoil it, but when like the movie, the name of the movie Pandorum comes back into play late in the movie, it's like, oh yeah, Pandorum, that that's something I should remember. It's like not until the ending of the movie, I was like, oh my god, that's why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I, I really did like, I actually do like the story of the movie and the twist at the end, but I just thought the pacing kind of um, kind of ruined the last part of the movie before it gets really good at the end. I need to watch that movie again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I do I do own this one on Blu-ray, so I'll have to, I'll have to watch it again. But I, 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 I can't really, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to defend it. I'm just going to say, if you like, space horror it's worth a what's worth a watch yeah i, I would say that. watch it at least watch it yeah you know, don't, yeah don't discard it you don't have to be like me or anybody who's a part of the uh the cult for this movie um it's it's yeah like i'm a die hard for it because it's just what i'm looking for it's one reason why too that i'm glad i finally played dead space because it's more the same in my opinion yeah yeah it totally reminded me of dead space for sure mm-hmm. um Without spoiling anything about the movie, I do have to say my favorite, favorite part about the whole movie was the child. Um, oh, trying yeah. to be as vague as possible, but the child scared me. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> really frightened the uh, shit out of me. So. I was like, dude, dude, no, 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 go, 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 go. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on. Um, Recently, there was a, a demo for Scarlet Nexus, and I think it was oh, just for Xbox, but it just recently oh, came out on Friday yeah. for the PlayStation, mm. uh, and I got it, and I played both the uh, female and male sides of it. Um, I have this game pre-ordered. I pre-ordered it before the uh, the demo came out, because I've been interested in this game. It has It's the demo, or not the demo, it's the game we saw the trailer of where there's like aliens made of like potted plants with legs Mm -hmm. and like weird ass designs and i'm 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 all in for that it it kind of reminds me of how i felt about near automata when i was seeing teasers and trailers for that so i'm kind of all in and um i played the the demo and i'm more excited actually to play the whole thing i the the graphics are gorgeous i think the graphics are really beautiful it's it's cell shaded but like of course like next gen like not not playstation 5 next gen but like just beautiful cell shaded graphics and i love seeing that because cell shaded always looks beautiful to me uh the monsters are really cool uh i think the main interesting point about the demo is that the battle system fabrice was watching me play at least the male side of the story the battle system is very complicated and it was like (laughs) it was hard for me to remember which buttons to press to do what because they keep introducing things on top of things on top of things on top of oh sounds awesome okay so it definitely reminds me of like devil may cry or bayonetta It, it feels like an rpg 
but the battle system is crazy because like with the male character i remember at least switching from fire to like uh i don't even remember what like just like four different powers but even the female she has different powers she had like speed and teleportation and it, it's really interesting that both of their their gameplay styles are very different like he's up close and uh close range slashing style and she's like uh mid- medium to like far range and she has different powers like it's I, i'm wondering if this game is like calling for you to play it twice from each uh viewpoint because the demos had the same story, but with different characters. I don't know how to describe it. Like, it was the same exact story being told, but by different people. Um, if I'm very much intrigued by this game. Uh, my only problem with it is that it's a little crunchy. Um, I had to adjust some of the settings because the camera moves way too fast. Your character moves like a little janky. Uh, sometimes the graphics uh, jitter a little bit. Um, so it, it's not like silky smooth like near Automata was, but I'm really excited otherwise. Like everything else is top notch and I'm very much excited for Scarlet Nexus. Um, download the demo now for free. <laughs> Keep in mind, more than likely you're probably just playing an earlier build of the game. So yeah. Maybe, yeah. That's what Fabrice was saying too. Um, I'm just a little worried because the game comes out in a month. Uh, I'm excited for it, yeah. But even if it plays the way it is playing now, I'm fine with that. It's the the battle system really did it for me. I just, it's very complicated, and I kind of like that about it. And it seems like there, if it's that complicated, there's room for it to for you to customize it yourself and make it your own. So I'm really really excited for this game. I was already excited for everything else aside from gameplay, but now I I know I love the gameplay. So (laughs) this might be a game of the year contender for me. Uh, once I finish it. And yeah. um, lastly, when I finished the demo for uh, Scarlet Nexus, I was remembering a game that I really wanted to play and never got uh, from Bandai Namco called uh, Code Vein. Um, and I remembered seeing it on sale. So it's on sale right now on PlayStation for like 15 bucks. Uh originally 60 so i was like fuck yeah finally i'm, I'm gonna buy that game mm-hmm. so it's um hold on a second little burp i see thumbs up from josh oh yeah it's i love that game so i'm that's why i'm getting a scarlet nexus is because of code vein did you did you beat it oh yeah mm-hmm. i got oh, all okay. the end i got i got all the endings yeah there's multiple endings mm-hmm. there's like i think there's three or four endings I didn't know that. <laughs> Something like that. I could be wrong. I think there, I could be wrong about how many endings are, but there are multiple endings. And uh cool thing about it too, is it's actually in the same universe as uh God Eater. I was going to say when you, when you first get to the, the home hub and I went to the jukebox and there was like God Eater music. I was mm-hmm. like, Ooh, these songs are all good. Mm-hmm. Why are these in here though? <laughs> right. Yeah. At yeah. the same time though, like I, I've never played God Eater. I, I, I'm unaware of all this series, but uh, the thing about Code Vein is I knew that it was a Dark Souls or a Souls-like at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and all I knew from it is that it was like basically an anime inspired kind of beautiful game with a story. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty good one for what it is too. In my, in my opinion, it's not a bad story. Yeah. I'm not sure about the story so far. There's a lot going on, but I'm very early in it, but uh, the character customization, which is one of my favorite parts about games is 
so perfect in this game. I love the character customization. So uh, if you, those listeners out there, if you like the Sims and you like making people, just get this game just to make a character because <laughs> it is so fun. I spent like an hour on it. And then like when I got back to the hub, I spent another like half hour, like changing my clothes again because it is so good. I love the character customization. Uh, but the game loop is really fun. And for it being a Souls-like, it's actually one of the easier Souls-likes, I would say. Not, like, it's I, not punishing, yeah. I'm not having a hard time at all, but it do, It definitely feels like I'm playing a Souls game, which uh, it's nice to play a Souls game that's not challenging. Um, it feels like nice. I feel like if you're interested in Dark Souls or Bloodborne, this might be a good starting point because it feels like kind of training wheels Souls mm. a little yeah, bit. that's fair. Uh, it kind of gives you the feels of what a Souls game is like, but it's not uh, that difficult. But it's not like it's not easy on you either, because I died like maybe once or twice. But mm-hmm. yeah, yep, you can't just hack and slash. Yep. Yeah, I love it. I really like it. I'm really into this game. I'm having a lot of fun with it. So I'm playing this side by side with Mass Effect right now. And Glad uh, to hear it. yeah, that's uh that's about it as far as games. The last thing I was going to say is that uh, Fabrice and I have been watching the new Drag Race series, uh, Drag Race Down Under. I don't think we have much to say because it's it's mm-hmm. a very unpredictable season. All the queens are bitches. Uh, I like Electra Shock, but she really needs to up her talent because all the queens are like surpassing her on that. But she's kind of uh, kind of getting up there. Uh, Anita Wiglet was one of my favorites, but she got sent home by uh, Karen from Finance. How <laughs> <laughs> many Karens are in there? Just one. <laughs> that was one Karen. Okay. <laughs> Karen from Finance. That's her name. That's no Chads. Her name. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm uh, right now. I'm rooting for Electra Shock and etc. Uh, etc. Et I think. Uh, spoiler alert she went home so <laughs> she did go home fuck i forgot so <laughs> uh, yeah i wanted to bring this up because like we're we're kind of lackluster on this newest season of uh drag race uh being the australian season but we also have a new season that was just announced which is all star six uh, so Fabrice and I, uh, we're moving here soon, so we're going to take a little break, but we're going to uh, pre-record an episode uh, giving our thoughts on the cast reveal for All-Stars 6, and then also our overall thoughts on the whole series and kind of telling y'all what we like, what we don't like, who our favorite queens are, what our favorite seasons are, uh, this and that, and what have you. Um, just as a filler episode, because we got things to do and we live our lives, so we have to do that. If you got any of you are anime watchers, don't worry. This will be better than a filler episode in anime. Just trust me on it. Or, you know, do it. Be you. Do 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 Be you. Oh, you can be kind if you want. <laughs> Game on. No, what, <laughs> nobody got that? Like, what well, the Because we're, we're still recording here. I mean, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, this uh, this segment has gone on pretty long. So let's take a quick break and we'll go to the next uh, segment, uh, which will be um, just talking about uh, a little bit of the news and uh, then we'll get to the meat and potatoes. All right, guys. Cool beans. All right. We'll be right back. Mm. 
Get your toes right and your ass will follow. Welcome back to the Cauldron of Gaming. We're here talking about games. Again, this is a podcast for the uh, witches, wizards, and the magical at heart. Uh, talking about people, or talking about people. Uh, talking about the people, talking with the people who play games, <laughs> listen to stuff, and watch things. Oh, God, I fucked that up. That's fine. We'll keep it going. Uh, next, we're going to talk about the um, PlayStation State of Play that happened. But first, before we get to that, I'm going to get to two useless pieces of news information that uh, came out this week also. Uh, Far Cry 6, which has been kind of murky in the waters about when it's coming out, what it's going to be, uh, finally has an announced date of October 7th of 2021. So coming out later this year, finally. Um I'm, I've never really played any of the Far Cry games. I've dabbled in, I think, four. Uh, Josh, did you ever play any of the Far Cry games? Okay. No, not my And uh, Fabrice, are you interested in Far Cry at all? Nope. Okay. No. I tried four. <laughs> I tried to play four. And I just, I just, it's just too open for me. Too open world. Sometimes I need it to be a little mm. condensed. Yeah, but anyway, uh, the new one, 6, is coming out October 7th this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll give it a shot. Uh, Dying Light 2 also got a release date. Are you serious? Finally, this game in purgatory. <laughs> I'm actually still concerned, even if it does come out, I'm still concerned about it. So I'm kind of excited for this game. I think I will definitely... I think I will definitely. Uh, I think that I might play this game. Um, I'm really excited for it, but... Uh, uh, I'll have to see what everybody everybody else thinks about it, uh, critics and uh, gamers alike. But uh, Dying Light 2 now has a release date of December 7th of 2021, which is my birthday. I'll be turning 34. Watch it gets pushed back again. Sorry. <laughs> it probably will. I'm not doubting it. it has uh, they also changed health. the name of the game. It's called Dying Light 2 Stay Human. Which I don't think is a good name. (laughs) But that is that. We're here to talk about the PlayStation State of Play, which uh, was basically only Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, 18 minutes of gameplay. Yeah. That, I'll, uh, stick around, I'll stick around guys this just, just laid on me I'm like well, you guys talk about it and all but <laughs> i'll let you know so recently fresh off the boat so josh didn't want to be a part of this because he wanted to be blackout on uh what's happening with horizon forbidden west um there there really weren't any spoiler things happening in this gameplay but we just basically got to see the the graphics and how it plays and okay. uh just how the game works um and I feel like, um, Fabrice, uh, let me get your input on this. Uh, it kind of feels like uh, an improvement on the last game, right? Mm-hmm. Can she actually climb on things? It looks like she should climb on them. <laughs> Not really. It didn't seem that way. Okay. She has this ability to scan where she can climb. So it still seems like there's, it's limited to where you can climb. Uh, but when she uses that scan ability, she can see where she can climb. So that was part hmm. of the demo. That sounds interesting, actually. Okay. Um, hmm. she she had a new ability too called the Shield Wing, which was like Breath of the Wild, where she she had a glider, but it was made of like a 
metal and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, a grappling hook also, but like it, it could only connect to certain areas. So okay. it doesn't seem like Breath of the Wild type of um, liberation, freely moving type of deal. But uh, still new ways of moving around the world. Okay. Uh, despite all that, Fabrice, uh, what were your thoughts on uh, the gameplay demo? I'm super excited just to be a part of that Forbidden West and to be there and to see what's going on and all the new machines to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. I, just love, I just love Aloy. See what Silas is up to, man, because the ending of the second, first game is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the graphics for that demo were gorgeous. This yeah. is what you get a PlayStation PlayStation 5 for. If you can get a PlayStation 5. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, side story, I, I was doing a job at a, a house um, of one of my favorite customers who I know is a gamer. And we were talking about um, Mass Effect Legendary Edition because I could see he was playing it on his TV. And uh, he was playing it on the Xbox Series X. And I was like, oh, man, I've been wanting a Series X. I just can't find one. I've been playing this on my PlayStation 5. And he's like, oh, man, well, <laughs> I've been trying to get a PlayStation 5, but I can't find one. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're all in the same boat of, like, we want these systems. What the fuck? We just, we know, like, the, of course, there's a shortage of uh, materials to make them. And every time, like, uh, new systems are released, they sell out right away. But, like, I really just want to get an Xbox Series X. <laughs> I really mm-hmm. want one be great but anyway aside from that uh the horizon forbidden west demo uh what i wanted to say about the graphics is one of the parts that impressed me the most is that there's this new monster called the tremor tusk it's like a mastodon yeah yeah a mastodon but there's like people riding it in like a wooden structures that are on top of it lord of the rings yeah yeah when aloy (laughs) blasted them apart like the way they fell apart was unbelievably gorgeous like these graphics, I can't, <laughs> I can't get beyond these graphics. Uh, Fabrice, uh, you saw how those were falling apart, but also like the underwater part. Can you tell me about that too? Yeah, there seems to be a lot of underwater experiences happening a lot for this one, which I'm excited. Um, but I think she has a mouth guard or some way to breathe underwater, which thank God, because one thing I hate about... <laughs> games and their underwater levels is that you have a time like a, a, a limit to breathe and you just have to like stress to get air or whatnot i think i don't think and a shark comes out of nowhere and gets <laughs> <laughs> i think that's still going to be an issue but the breathing yeah, it part it will be fine the freaking unlike uh unlike tomb raider where um she's struggling for air underwater and then when she comes up she's like uh ah uh, and then a jaguar comes and grabs her head and pulls her out of the water. <laughs> what was it, Fabrizio? Ah, eh. Um, are you ta- well, there's this when you go to the her her mansion. There's this when you first dive into her pool and then you surface. She does this stupid thing where she goes, ah, eh. <laughs> oh God. Okay. <laughs> the original is this is true the first one or it might be yeah. it's one or two yeah it's only one time then. it's only one time she does that right <laughs> horizon is obviously the evolution of tomb raider but like also like 
they don't have this in I, i'm not sure if they have it in horizon because i never jumped off a high ledge like this but like in tomb raider when you fall down a huge pit or like jump off of a high place and she is gonna die she falls for a little bit and then it's like and then crumples up into a pretzel when she finally lands mm-hmm. now i think it's yeah if i recall uh, in the first uh, horizon, if you fell off something, it was pretty instant. You pretty much died instantly. Yeah, there's there's yeah. a few times I wasn't trying to you know, fall, but it <laughs> happened. <laughs> so yep. I know she she dies instantly, <laughs> and she can and she can die from like a five foot fall too. It's like, <laughs> so that's why I asked, like, is there stuff that she can climb on that normally? It's that in the first one. That's my biggest complaint is that. Aloy is so agile that she'll run into a rock and fall over it, or she'll run into a rock and she can't get around it. <laughs> or can't go on, can't step over it. She has to go around it. It is a pebble on the ground. Sorry. <laughs> I guess there was none of that in this gameplay trailer. There were new raptors that have like saws, like two saws for a mouth. They were yeah, really cool like, looking. They're like okay. they're like um bigger, more extreme watchers so they have like two jaw two uh chainsaws for jaws that's really cool and and also there were like uh people like humans riding around on them and then uh later in the demo she aloy can ride around on them too she goes into the battle with the tremor tusk uh riding on the back of one of those raptors okay which was interesting interesting that's kind of cool so you get you get to ride galmimus okay was was sure Sati. yeah sure Jan. <laughs> you haven't seen Jurassic Park come on man <laughs> what is that it's a gala gala a gala mimus sorry but overall I thought that the demo was like my main takeaway was that it was gorgeous <laughs> it, of course they introduced like new ways of playing the game and like it looked like a lot of classic uh horizon gameplay but Man, those graphics! Yeah. Those did they graphics. Uh, did they give us a uh, a launch date? They did not. Oh, that was the surprising part. It's like they didn't even say anything about a release date. Uh, yeah, that's a watch is not coming out till next year. <laughs> Fabrice, what did you think about that gameplay trailer? I loved it. Also, I wasn't expecting Horizon to come out this year, so okay. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not surprised there was no release date. But yeah, I loved it. It was beautiful. I'm super excited, as if I wasn't before, but I'm mm-hmm. such a huge Horizon Zero Dawn fan. Mm-hmm. Man. Um, See, so yeah, I'm actually kind of glad I didn't watch it, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we didn't spoiler. There's actually some yeah, story parts about it, but we didn't talk about those. So mm. uh, the I'm only things worried. we spoiled for you are the new aspects of the game i guess no, but, yeah um, you didn't, yeah it didn't really ruin it for me at all because uh i mean i kind of i mean i have a kind of a guess of what's going to happen not really like these how it's going to start in um uh, based off of the last what i played from the first game so i have a pretty mm-hmm. good idea so i'll see if i'm right at all so <laughs> yeah well i guess uh let's move on to a segment we forgot last episode uh which is an ever building source of music recommendations from the cauldron Mm, okay uh for listeners out there we are giving 
one song choice for every episode that we are putting on a Spotify playlist that we will have the link to in the description of the episode. So check that out for uh, a cool playlist that's building with cool songs. Uh, I think that I have a cool taste in music, but maybe that's just me. But uh, Josh and Febreze, man, they really pick really good songs. And uh, this playlist is really cool so far already with the few songs we have. We didn't uh, choreograph what we picked last week, but we still put songs on there. So keep checking it out. It's a growing playlist. Uh, We're going to add three more songs this time. I'm going to start with Josh. What are you adding this week? Okay, this one might be a little bit different from what you might be might be on the playlist. Uh, It's a song called The Freshman. Um. By the Verve Pipe, it's an alternative, uh, alternative band. Um, can't remember when they came out with this song, but uh, <clears throat> reason I'm recommending the song is because uh, I was thinking recently about all the friends that I've lost since growing up, like friends that have I've lost to suicide, um, friends that have been killed by other people, and. Um, it just this song is kind of just kind of um, makes you kind of think about some of the, some of the people that maybe you could have been there for, but you know it's not your fault you weren't there. But you know, it makes you think that maybe if I was there. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's beautiful, Josh. I can't so wait I to hear it. Yeah. What about you? I won't say anymore. Febreze. Oh, hey, are you done, Josh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sorry. <laughs> I had to take a second there. Yeah, here we go. Oh, but that, yeah, that was beautiful what you said. So um, the song I picked is uh, a song that I've heard, I've played a lot of since Frank and I've been together, and I think he's pretty sick of it, but I love this song so much. Uh, it's called Idle Talk, I-D-L-E talk uh by i am am i who am i and it's just one of my favorite songs it's it's a feel-good song it's uh musically it's it's it sounds really good and her vocals it's uh it's almost as if she's an instrument that's a part of the song too the way she does her vocals is really cool too so i don't know i just really like this song a lot so there it is idle talk Mm. This is getting better and better. (laughs) For my pick, I actually picked uh, a song from when I was younger. When I was a teenager, I was like trying to listen to a lot of things and figure out what I actually liked uh, in music. A lot of it was Japanese. And uh, this song I'm picking is one of those Japanese bands that kind of grabbed me for being unique when I was younger. Um, The song is called Automation Structures. And uh, the band is Coalter of the Deepers. They, I don't think they're too well known, but they're a very weird band. They've done a, I think I found them because they have a few like metal uh, rock type songs, but they have a lot of weird like experimental shoegaze type of music. And I think this song kind of puts me in a mood where I, I can just feel calm and like, really analyze things it, it's it's a weird electronic song it's it's one of their weirder songs too but i it really puts me in a good mood 
it's a positive song um makes me feel good and uh yeah you can actually look up uh the freshman by the verb pipe um idle talk by am i am am i who am i and uh, automation structures by co-author of the deepers on our playlist we're going to add those and uh look for our other songs from our past episodes again link in the description below in the uh description of the episode check those out we have good music taste <laughs> subjective <laughs> subjective <laughs> i mean if you like uh if you like our playlist uh i'll put it up here right up front please rate review and subscribe helps us get out there come on guys uh, we're going to go ahead and move into our meat and potatoes of the episode, but uh, Fabrice is not going to be a part of this because he oh. is mainly JRPG. He has not played a lot of Western RPGs. I wish so. he would stick around to talk about the JRPG parts, man. Uh, you, you two got it. Nice <laughs> okay. you got this. All right, brother. All right. All right. <laughs> Farewell to Fabrice. We love you. Good Your shirt's bye. awesome, by the way, man. Thank you. <laughs> the square goes into the square hole. Oh, shut up. <laughs> okay. Bye. Hey, buddy. Ooh, All right. Man. You're here with your guys, Josh and Frankie. Mm-hmm. Here to talk about JRPGs versus Western RPGs. Yes. You ready for this, Josh? I'm ready. Let's prepare you. Okay. All right. Japanese RPGs started the tradition of RPGs or role-playing games as we know them today. The world outside of Japan entered the domain as technology improved, bringing new ideas and tropes carried onto most contemporary games today. For people like me, JRPGs drowned me in the lore, style, and gameplay I look for in games today. Western RPGs inheriting, improving, and adding to the traditions of games that raised me only further cemented me on this genre of gaming. My taste in games has become more eclectic, but as time passes, I think modern games take on many of the attributes given to us by RPGs, even mm-hmm. even the games that aren't heavy-handed first forthcoming as RPGs. Yeah, very true. How would you define the genre of RPGs as we know it in gaming today? You know, <clears throat> I'm actually going to have to say, I'm going to give it to the king of RPGs, and that's literally just Dungeons and Dragons. So uh, I would, for me, Dungeons and Dragons is where it started. Art JRPGs kind of built up, built on top of it. But uh, anyway, RPGs, role-playing game. Role-playing <sighs> game. Yep. <laughs> Role playing game. I think the best way to look at an RPG, or at least if I was to define it to somebody, is think of a book you've read. Uh, let's say if that's if you read fiction, even if you read not fiction, and imagine being that person in that book, but you make the choices yourself. You go on that adventure, but you're that character, but you're making the choices throughout that adventure. Could be something like high fantasy where uh, like Lord of the Rings type type deal where you're trying to save the world from an all-powerful being to something as simple as you're trying to stop a corporation from taking over your mom-and-pop shop. So, <laughs> so that's I, how you define RPGs? 
I would say, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, just think of a book. Think of uh, I mean, best way to think of a book or a movie, and just think of, put yourself as that character, and then build your story. I guess you're right. Like, if I had to define, like, if I was talking to somebody who was like, "You like RPGs? What are those?" I'd be like, um, <clears throat> "It's the type of game where you experience the story of the character you're playing as firsthand, and you're." basically just uh living their life for them through them uh as far as gaming goes that kind of includes a little bit of uh sidestepping into uh you you manage their stats you manage their equipment you manage their uh weapons which i guess would be equipment but you also sometimes you make the choices for them um you it's basically the type of game where you're i feel like long term maybe sometimes short term just living the life of the character that the game puts you in the shoes of you know, Frankie, right? uh, you had you know you uh you when you asked me about how i define it um rpgs <clears throat> i did have an a, a opportunity years ago um when i was working for a uh a gym some a, a parent was talking to me and was saying that they had a child that loved to play loved to read books and loved to play video games but she was worried about the games he was playing and um she she had heard that through the gate find that I, I played video games and she asked me what would you recommend for my son to play based off of being a, somebody who likes to read books a lot told her well have your son check out an rpg um told her reason why i recommend an rpg for somebody who likes to read books is because think of rpgs as an interactive book yeah yeah so there's that <laughs> <laughs> yeah man like you're absolutely right now when you we brought up the whole um managing equipment and equipment stats and uh guiding your character through the story uh yeah you're right actually when it comes to stats stats and equipment that's probably one of the reasons why i like rpgs more these days when games have that have those things those you know those types or those mechanics in them because mm -hmm. it it's stupid like once you actually like really delve deep sometimes in some of these games you find out some of the stats are like stupid like useless <laughs> it's kind of crazy <laughs> it's crazy well i guess i have another question for you then um what would you say made the genre name of rpg different at the time of japanese dominance as opposed to today crud i Just guess uh, like uh build on that question yeah please yeah. <laughs> rpgs really came into dominance in video games uh with the japanese the japanese were making great rpgs and that's kind of where we got our first experience of games like that mm -hmm. um hmm. what would make uh games of those time games of that time different than uh what rpgs mean now mm. well i'd have to say mm, i would say let's bring up one particular game in general i'd say final fantasy 7 so uh, i know we've talked about this game a lot and channel before already but the reason why i want to bring up final fantasy 7 is i kind of feel like gaming final fantasy 7 kind of set a standard 
Yeah, it, it totally um, did. Yeah. If, so for gaming, and I think what 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 one of the things that JRPGs offers is, uh, well, th- honestly, deep storytelling. Uh, compelling, you know, compel- they actually do. They usually do a good job of actually making characters that are actually compelling. Uh, you jump into it because you are wondering about these worlds that they built. Seven is a great example. You start off in one big city and you finally get out, and it's one of those things where it's like. Like I mentioned earlier in the episode, is like about Star Ocean. Didn't you go through it? Don't you like go into a cave and you walk out the other side and there's a whole huge world? It's kind of like how it is with Midgar, seriously. <laughs> seriously. And actually, that's kind of a, something that's actually, I think, is kind of a common trope when it comes to JRPGs, actually, is that you start off in a small town and then you go out and there's a huge ass world. You think that's what makes it different um, today as opposed to back then? Mm. Well, that's the thing that's kind of funky about today because we still have RPGs that come out now, sometimes reminiscent of the old days, back in the golden, I'll call it the golden age of RPGs, which was back on the PlayStation. And, um, you know, yeah, and I'm trying to think of a good, of a game that's a good example of, oh, hey, I'm going to, you already know what I'm talking about. Bravely Default 2 is a great example of that. Totally. <laughs> so totally. I, um, I would say, what what's defining because you can still get very deep convoluted storytelling that you get from back in the jrpgs back in like say the 90s um with games like near automata mm-hmm. so i would i would i would say that there really isn't too much of a the only really differences is the availability of modern games versus class for the sake of the argument classic games if you want a good RPG, you're better off playing some of the older stuff than you are playing some of the newer stuff because there's not a lot of options right now to play, if you think about it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You think I'm wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong. I, I was just going to say, like, what I think the big difference between um, the advent of JRPGs and RPGs of now is that everything... That, there was... Um, when Grand Theft Auto 3 came out, like every game suddenly had to be open world and sandboxy. And even though it doesn't translate exactly to RPGs, like RPGs are so much more open world now than they were back then. Because when we played our RPGs on our little old systems, it was pretty linear. Even if you get to a world map, um, if you went to a certain area that you weren't supposed to go, the game would let you know that you weren't supposed mm-hmm. to be there. <laughs> you literally couldn't get, like, you couldn't go there. Yeah. There was a clear line of where you were supposed to go and go from this point to that point and that point and that point. And then that's how you play the game. And these mm-hmm. days it's kind of different from that. And side quests weren't really a thing back then. They were maybe a, a few side quests, but like uh, for every three side quests you got in an older JRPG, these days you get 12. For every three back then a lot of uh a lot of filler i feel mm-hmm. like uh is with rpgs these days that's me i mean i'm glad you brought that up because now when i think about it one of the things that you can find in modern gaming is that you'll have your main campaign that will mm-hmm. take you like 10 hours to get through but then when you play with all the side content you get like an additional 40 hours of <laughs> gameplay <laughs> yeah <laughs> But that I think exactly. is more. That's really more common. I'm gonna be. I don't know about this. To me, that's more common with Western gaming though than it is with Eastern gaming. I wouldn't say that necessarily. After really? playing Xenoblade Chronicles, 
Well, fair enough. I, I'm saying from my, I guess my more recent experience, I'm seeing it more prevalent in Western. And bravely default too, actually. Mm. To me, when when it comes to bravely default, what's it's not the side content that's the filler of the game. It's you trying to like, um, you trying to like max out all your stuff. If that game came out 15 years ago on the PlayStation One. Mm there would have not been that many side quests in it. You're absolutely right. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Uh, but that was just my opinion. Right, right. No, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not going to have very, very you know, differing opinions because, I mean, hell. Because um, we're what? Different people. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> I feel like uh, since you saw Pandorum, it's like that part where, um, spoiler alert for Pandorum, at the end when uh, the captain realizes that he has Pandorum and that person that he's been keeping, uh, keeping captive is actually him. And you oh, see that's a huge spoiler, bro. One. That's a huge spoiler. <laughs> Good God. When their arms combine into one and they're the same person, that was you and me. Okay. <laughs> Which one of us is the crazy one, I wonder. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Who's the one who's trying to tell us that, like, uh, here's the truth? <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you the know box. the truth. Yep, cats in the box, y'all. Is the cat alive or dead? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're nuts. I know. <laughs> it's been one hell of an interesting day, night. I got another question for you. Yes, sir. Let's go for it. Okay. JRPGs were big back in the days of the Super Nintendo and the first PlayStation. Mm-hmm. In recent years, Western RPGs have started to dominate with the likes of studios such as Bethesda and Bioware. Mm-hmm. What do you think caused this change? Um, total theory crafting here, because I'm not positive on this, but I'm going to say it had a lot to do with, uh, first off, um, people who gamed. You know, it was kind of gaming used to be one of those things where it was, you know, you were a nerd. If you played games, you were a nerd on top of um, they're not being in the West, probably not a huge market for RPGs. So uh, at least for Japanese RPGs. And that's why there's some Japanese RPGs that we don't have here or might be some game releases that we never saw here um, purely because they didn't they didn't think there was a market out here for it. Monster Hunter. Hey, (laughs) so anyway, right. And uh, in in looking at Monster Hunter World and now we're getting, you know, it's just, yeah, we're going to get another another cross platform, uh, another big one coming out at some point after uh, Rise. So anyway. My my that's my point though is I think that there wasn't much of a market for it, and and then I yeah. think what and then the likes of you know the likes of uh, honestly I think honestly I'm gonna give it more to to Bioware before I give it to Bethesda because games like um, well <laughs> I can't remember I, I I was asking myself this question too I can't remember Mass Effect came out before um, Dragon Age. That's right. Mass Effect did come out before Dragon Age. So, and then you've seen Dragon Age. I like those were defining, those were defining RPGs. And because they're some of the first games that gave you options, like you get to choose what happens to your characters. But I mean, still limited, limited what you can do, but you got to choose what you could say, what you could do. I think you're onto something here. I, what I was going to say, um, 
I totally want to build on your point because I think you're totally right. Um, I think that because there were so many JRPGs coming out, like one after the other, especially from Squaresoft, uh, mm-hmm. Enix a little bit, um, and other companies, uh, we were kind of getting used to the storytelling and the type of style that they were giving us. That when we finally got games like uh, uh, the Elder Scrolls or Fallout or uh, Mass Effect, Jade Empire, KOTOR, Dragon Age, we were starting to see like uh, new ideas and new types of storytelling. And uh, with those types of games too, it was more like, uh, hey, instead of a linear type of storytelling, uh, it's kind of a make your own type of story, mm-hmm. which w- as a new idea was really kind of interesting and uh, groundbreaking and uh, really interesting. And I think that's where um, people start getting more interested in those types of games. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like Japanese RPGs, which weren't really doing that type of thing. They were still telling a, a story where you go from point A to point B to point C and point D. Uh, you're still being told, this, the story is being told to you as opposed to these new games that you were kind of making the story mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Your even if it wasn't like that big of an impact, you still kind of felt like you were making it your own type of story, which uh, kind of goes into the root uh of the the name of role-playing game you're you're playing as a character and you got more freedom in these new games that were coming out character customization (laughs) and character customization (laughs) Uh, kotor i mean yeah kotor man you make your own jedi or sith Mm -hmm. whatever you decide to you know play as yeah i think uh kotor was actually my first type of game like that um it blew my mind i wasn't the biggest star wars fan but my good my my good my god that game was so good it it really like changed my perspective on games i didn't know games could be like that and then like bioware just kept releasing more and more games like that and then turns out that bethesda was making games like that too and yeah (laughs) i was like oh Maybe I like these types of games mm-hmm. too. And that's something kind of interesting too. I mean, I, I, I'd have to look, but maybe there might have been some JRPGs that kind of gave you some type of customization type stuff, but now you're seeing it more often in JRPGs. Where oh, there's more, yeah. Actually, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, no worries. Actually, no, I think you, you did a good job stopping me, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say uh, there was a PlayStation 1 RPG called uh, Star Ocean, The Second Story. Yeah, uh, which I bought because I saw the commercial on TV and they advertised the big advertising point of that game is that it had 86 different endings, um, which they say 86 different endings, but it basically means like you have an extra dialogue point or like a different little thing that happens that makes it an extra ending. But uh, the thing about Star Ocean, the second story is that you you could do these things called private actions every time you went into a town where your party would separate and then you just got to talk to each one of your party members separately. And sometimes there would be um, points where you could have a special moment with a character and you got to make choices. And depending on the choices at the end of the game, you could possibly end up in a relationship with a character of your choice, but it just didn't seem as fleshed out as it is today. It just kind of seemed like um, rudimentary, like the, the beginnings of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. which was still interesting that game is so fucking good god recommended star ocean the second story one of the oh, best yeah. jrpgs of all time absolutely but uh the endings when they say 86 endings they basically mean like uh 
ending 85 extra dialogue from noel ending 86 extra dialogue from i don't know diaz <laughs> or you get an like, ending uh bravely default there's one end you can get really early but you probably only you either have to be really badass your first playthrough or you have to do a new game plus and you're overpowered is when you defeat the defeat one of the final bosses at the beginning of the game you're not supposed to be able to do that and you beat him and it, it's a game over you said <laughs> i didn't know that <laughs> yeah. yeah it is yeah yeah <laughs> or uh like same thing um this is completely side topic, but like near automata has like 26 endings for each letter mm -hmm. of the alphabet. You yep. get an ending for eating a fish and it tells you you're a robot. You can't eat fish. You can't fish you die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's also, you have to, you also get to fight. Um, I'll just gonna, I'm just going to say it when you fight a meal, mm -hmm. which is one of the, one of the hardest fights in the game. There's no, it's actually two, you can fight a meal two times, but you fight the set. You fight a meal the second time, which is one of the hardest boss fights in the game. Um, it's an ending when you beat him that like centipede thing yeah the centipede yeah. is the centimeal centimeal yeah <laughs> 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 uh, right it's like, Edie's, it's, right like Edie's, it's like it's like Edie's joke you know i like seeing humans on their knees <laughs> <laughs> no man the jokes in mass effect are great anyway my whole point with that discussion was i think that like uh choice and uh kind of making the character your own was what became new and nouveau and kind of uh, the the end thing with RPGs when when uh, the Western studios started doing it and started doing it good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I will still say, like, man, when it comes to when I th when I when you when somebody asks me RPGs, my I'm always gonna go right back to what I would call consider some of the classic games to play. You know, mm -hmm. nah, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep like, I'm gonna, every episode I'm gonna bring up this game, so I'm not gonna talk about we'll it. We'll get to it. We'll get yeah. to it. Hold your horses. <laughs> I have hold your tongue, horses. boy. Uh, no. <laughs> I have another question for you, Josh. Okay, I like questions. Storytelling is a main component that tells of the difference between JRPGs and Western RPGs. What would you say is the difference? The storytelling. You know, okay. Here's I think I, I, maybe this is probably, probably I think more back to the earlier days, but when it comes to JRPGs, is but okay. So now modern gaming, if you want to get to the main an RPG, you want to get to the main story, it'll take you maybe two to ten hours to get through it. Whereas um, if you play a I will we'll call it a traditional JRPG, it's going to take you forty hours to, play, to get through the main story. You can't probably you, you're lucky if you can beat it in quicker than forty hours. Persona Five, one hundred and twenty hours. Right. So I would I would say I mean to me that's probably the big difference is um, is uh, maybe main story, main plot stories, and how long it takes for you to actually get through the experience. Uh, I think one of the reasons why it's not the reason why it's not like you play a game and you can the main story will take you you know twenty hours, but if you play the all the side content as well, take you sixty hours to get through it. Um, I think the reason why that is is because the lives we live and the generations that play the video games are very different. You know, we might yeah. be able to do a sixty-hour game and play through the story, where somebody who was who was from a previous generation of us thinks about I got to hang out with my friends, I've got to do this, I got to do that, and I got to do all of the other things, include braiding my hair. And I only have time to play two hours of a game every day, so I want to be able to beat the game as fast as I possibly can. I think you're right. 
um, Western RPGs seem to like, if you play it straight through, it'll take like 10 to 20 hours. I That makes me think of Fallout for sure. Like Fallout, you can beat it really quick, but like mm-hmm. there's Rising so many side Dawn. missions. You can beat it insanely fast. Yeah, there, but yeah. there's so many side things. Like you can mm-hmm. easily like pad on like a couple dozen more hours mm-hmm. onto uh, the main story. Mm-hmm. When you play a JRPG, um, the side missions don't really pad on like they do in a Western RPG. The story you're being told is gonna go on, like you said, for a long ass time. But you're, I think the difference too, aside from being um, like a Western RPG will be shorter and a JRPG will be longer, is that the JRPG is gonna like try to put a lot more into that story and yeah. put a lot more like meaningful moments as opposed to a Western RPG. I think the Western RPG tries to like spread those moments out as optional things and uh, not really put them in the main story, like maybe some things, but like a JRPG wants you to see all the meaningful things uh, forefront and like threads them into the main story. You can get a lot of meaningful moments from side stories in a Western RPG, uh, but not everybody's going to see those things. And I think uh, uh, more Japanese RPGs want you to see all those things. I agree. Is what I think about that. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, uh, let's, you know, let's, you know, we can bring it. I know we talked about Mass Effect before, but we can bring it. Mass Effect I think one of the best examples, especially now with mm-hmm. Legendary Edition being out. The choices, if you decide to do everything you possibly can, uh, you're looking at probably 40 to 50 hours of gameplay. Honestly, it doesn't take very long to beat the first Mass Effect. Actually, even the second one, you can play, they take about the same length of time. They're not very, they're not very long games. Um, even if you do everything, it doesn't take very long to get through them, honestly, if you know what you're doing. But uh, yeah. either way, the choices you make from the first, from to the second, and into the third game is mesmerizing. Not only that, you're doing all the side stuff is what's also enhancing the story. Like it's worth doing all the side stuff you can possibly do in the first game and the second game into the third game because of all the stuff that happens in the third game. It's insane. I'm playing Mass Effect 2 now and I kind of think like the bulk of the best parts of that game is side content. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. That game is about building your relationship with your characters and if you don't want to do that and just go through the game fine mm-hmm. just do that but like you're missing out on the best parts of that game mm-hmm. which a jrpg would never do jrpg wants those things mm-hmm. threaded into the story mass effects like hey just go do it if you want mm-hmm. you should yeah <laughs> but yeah, one of the best parts to. one of the things i love too is that you you have you have you know think your characters die. It's like not a lot of, to me, a lot, a lot of RPGs have it where, yeah, if you, I hate this reference, but they don't do Game of Thrones style type kill, like where your, 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 your favorite character is dead the next episode. It's, you know, when you play like Mass Effect is a great example. Um, the first one, not so much, but the second one is a great, is a good one. For people, real, for real. People die. Like if you don't, if you don't do, if you don't make some of the decisions, I'm not saying right decisions, but make decisions to help people live throughout their stuff. Like if you decide to be a complete asshole to somebody, that could mean they die. So they die like, forever. They're gone. <laughs> I mean, the thing is that they it, it changes outcome in the third game, but some in some cases characters get replaced with somebody else. Like if yeah. your if your boy Garrus dies, don't let your boy Garrus die. But if if Garrus dies, um, 
in the third game, a different character, different characters will speak for him where he normally has the lines. Apparently. Yeah. And I imagine if Grant dies in, in the second one, then Rex will take over for him in the third one. I assume. Not quite, not quite, but I don't yeah, know. I, like that. the first time I played Mass Effect 2, when I did the suicide mission, I just kept reloading every time somebody died. I was like, and nobody's going to die. It didn't matter. I would just restart <laughs> the whole goddamn mission. <laughs> when it really comes down, the crazy part of when it comes down to is that Mass Effect 2, you have to, it starts at the beginning of the game. You have to make all, like, all the right decisions, basically, or at least when they when they join your crew, you start getting to know them. You have to make I remember the right be decisions. Like, I'd be like, oh, I sent Samara to do that, and she died, so now this time I'm going to uh, send Miranda yeah. to do that. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time, it was like, my first time playing Mass Effect, I was I was successful. successful. I you know, this is on the Xbox 360 for Mass Effect 2. Everybody lived. Um, my second time playing Mass Effect 2, a lot of people died. Samara died. Morden died. I was like, and you want Morden to live, by the way. Morden is one of the Morden, best characters. Morden, yeah. Yeah. It's like, and Samara is one of the most compelling characters. Thane is another compelling character. It's Man, oh, I love Thane. Fuck. All the characters in Mass Effect. Okay, here's another thing too. Here we, I think it's going to lead on. I mean, yeah, think about this. We're talking about these characters that we love so much. Yes, there's characters from JRPGs that you love a lot. Like, you know, you think, yeah. you, think you think of, you know, Squall from Final Fantasy VIII. You think of um, Barrett from Final Fantasy VII. You think of all these different characters. I mean, I'm, I'm saying Final Fantasy games, but, you know, it's, it's you think about all yeah. these characters that you, you love <laughs> and you you like a lot. Maria from Xenogears. Yeah, it's like you love all these characters. You know, Faye from, yeah, Faye from Xenogears. Like, it's... Then when you play these JR, when you play Western RPGs, I don't know what it is about how they do it, but you become insanely emotionally invested in these characters. Um, like, yeah, actually, I was going to bring that up because, like, as we were talking about the suicide mission, I can't think of a JRPG that has a mission like that where you're so, like, basically where the mission is going and um, the results of it are so dire. Mm and like so random like that like i don't think a jrpg is so willing to sacrifice characters like that as like mass effect 2 was where like if you make the wrong decision that character is just gonna die Mm -hmm. and not only that but like there's like you said there's so much invested in that character they've built so much into that character i can't say that i know as much about twist as from final fantasy 8 as i do about liara from mass effect Mm -hmm. It's so much more about Liara that I know than from Quistus. <laughs> she has her story arc. Quistus has her story arc and then it ends. And then she's just like there for the rest of the game. Liara, however, is there from Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. And she evolves and is there the whole time. And you could have like a different relationship with her the whole time. That's a mm-hmm. Western RPG relationship as opposed to a JRPG relationship. Mm-hmm damn (laughs) (laughs) and you actually but i do think of okay so so there's one game jrpg that where your main character can die and stay and they remain dead throughout the rest of the game chrono trigger yeah thank you yes (laughs) (laughs) one of the few jrpgs i can remember where a character like like where a main character actually dies Mm now i haven't played a western rpg where that happens yet but not that i can think of so um, that one's a classic it is but like one of the cool things too about chrono trigger 2 is you can bring that character back and it's insane how that happens too <laughs> so <laughs> oh man, it's I'm a gonna... classic for a reason because mm-hmm. no other game does that mm-hmm. 
Nope. So it's like, I, I think you, it's probably JRPGs. Yes, you can definitely find compelling stories. I mean, look at me with Xenogears, you know, look at Frankie with Final Fantasy VII or Star Ocean, Second Story. Final it's like Fantasy there are memorable. With Zellbag. There are memorable. Zellbag, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Like you, um, you know, you can experience these. Oh, hell, guys, if you ever get a chance, play Ark the Lad too. <laughs> anyway. Ark the Lad collection. I think I bought it. I have to double check. And if I haven't, I will buy it. Okay. Like it's some of the, it's some, actually, what's one thing I'm also noticing too, actually, when you look at RPGs, that JRPGs came out back in the day from a value standard, mm-hmm. look at those games are worth a hell of a lot more than games that are coming out now. Um, I think- I think it's worth saying too that you and I we're about the same age, right? I'm I'm 33 and you're 35. 36. Right? 36. I'm 36. Well, you look not a day over 35. I appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, we we grew up in an age where um, we were kids when these expensive ass RPGs were coming out. So it was about the value proposition because our parents were going to buy us all the RPGs. It'd be like, uh. I, I want Parasite Eve, please. Um, that's $60. That's going to tide me over for 10 to 20 hours. Or or buy me Star Ocean, the second story, which is going to tide me over for 60 hours. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, more, yeah. like other games, like if you buy another $60 game, like it's not going to tide you over as much as an RPG did. When we were younger, we we got RPGs because like we weren't getting that many games that much. Like you, if we're going to spend money on a game, we're going to spend money on a game that's going to tide us over for hours and hours and hours, like Xenogears, Final Fantasy VII, uh, things like that. Uh, now that we're older and we make our own money and we spend our money on games, like it almost feels like um, it might be a different experience for you right now because uh, you're waiting to start working. And me working, I kind of want shorter experiences because these long ass games I don't have much time for. Uh, I don't know. I think that's something we're talking about too, because like uh, it feels like back then I wanted longer games. And these days my life has changed to where I want shorter games. Oh, for me, even when I, even when I am working, when I was working, I was still looking, I, um, I like those games. I like, so I, I don't like it when I play a game that I can beat in 10 hours. That rubs me the wrong way. It's just cause mm-hmm. like, um, $60 or $70 for, you know, for 10 hours of gameplay. Yes. I know there's replay value sometimes in some of these games, but still it's like, it's not, it's not quite the same. I, you know, as you know, when, you know, let's say you're looking for a, a modern game that will take you, it will take up a lot of hours, a lot of time. If you really want to delve into it, Witcher three is a great option to do that. Uh, Near Automata is another great option to do that. One's a Western one's an Eastern. So it's like those I are those recommend to listeners out there near Automata. Absolutely. And I recommend I'm never gonna Witcher play Witcher 3. 3. Yeah, I recommend <laughs> Witcher 3. And I've played both. <laughs> it's like they're fantastic. This fantastic art fantastic. If there's RPGs. a universally endorsed game by the cauldron of gaming, it is near Automata. I don't yes. know how many times we keep bringing that up on this podcast, but that yeah. is like one of the closest to perfect games I've ever played. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite. I, I think Horizon Zero Dawn is gonna be another one of our games too. So Horizon Zero Dawn is a great. That's a great choice. It's a Western game, but it's an open. Here's the thing: it's an open world. It has okay, so, okay. 
one of the things about what's going getting stale for Western games right now is the open world game, open world style. Everything is open world. One of the worst things that could have possibly happened to a great franchise was um, was Assassin's Creed going open, <laughs> going open. Oh, world. Yeah. oh yeah. So, but I used to like uh, Assassin's Creed, but yeah. I was like, oh my god, another one. But Guerrilla <laughs> Games did a great thing with with uh, you know Horizon Zero Dawn. The game you're playing, like most of the time when you play games that are open world, it doesn't feel like it's lived in. Like you'll go 300, 300 miles and you'll see no human beings or no animals while you're going through it. Whereas in Horizon Zero Dawn, you can't, you can barely go like 30 feet without boom, there's something there that wants to kill you. So it's like, or and it's in it, or there's a human you a human might want to talk to. They did. They did a good job because it's not the world's not too big and it's not too small. It's like they got the formula just right. Although I will, I in the defense right. of, yeah. in the defense of Assassin's Creed, I will say that Odyssey is still a great experience. Uh, it just shouldn't have been called Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a weird series because like I wouldn't have considered Assassin's Creed an RPG at first but the recent games definitely have rpg elements absolutely and it feels like a lot of games do that they um they implement rpg elements because like i think what's great about rpgs and what people what people like seeing in rpgs is the numbers go up they like seeing uh when you level up and seeing improvement and like kind of getting gratification for what your efforts are Mm -hmm. and that's what assassin's creed has started doing so uh, it's interesting that the series started implementing that, but um, I guess you can start calling that game an RPG. I would say the more recent ones, I would say um, Origins and Beyond. So Origins, uh, yeah, Odyssey, yeah, totally. and Valhalla are RPGs. But if you were to play the original, the other ones, they're not. They're more like a they're more like action, action adventure. Yeah. yeah, and I'm still gonna highly praise the the first. Well, basically the original the original three games for Assassin's Creed are, if you're going to, if, if you don't want to play any of the other Assassin's Creed's, if you can play the first three, because they are amazing experiences, especially the first one. Good God. When that came out on the 360, I did buy it game one. And we're talking about RPGs right now, but I can't. Yeah. Um, let's do a side topic real quick, because yeah. um, the reason I started playing Assassin's Creed was because Assassin's Creed three was about to come out. And I was in GameStop and they were talking about how it was just about to come out in two weeks. And I was like, you know, I've never played that series. I, I should probably dip in. And I looked for it on the shelf and it was like maybe 10 or 20 bucks for the first game. And I was like, okay. And I bought it and it was like, oh my God, I've never played a game like this before. Mm-hmm. Like Josh is right. Josh is right. I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> I'm talking to the listeners kind of, but I'm talking to you. But like when I, when I, hadn't played assassin's creed before and i played that first game it was like a mind blow Mm -hmm. like it was it wasn't like anything i'd played before and it was so amazing and then like the story outside of the um animus was Mm -hmm. really interesting too Mm -hmm. so yeah like i was really interested in buying assassin's creed 3 so i went and pre-ordered assassin's creed 3 and then i bought the three uh Ezio games which was like Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and Assassin's Creed Revelations. Revelations, yep. And I played them all within that two-week span before 3 came out, and I loved all of them. I loved Mm -hmm. all four of those games. And then I loved 3, 
but then like the story ends with three as far as like Desmond's story and then I played Black Flag and that was probably the last Assassin's Creed game I enjoyed except for um whatever the one was with the brother and sister in the uh, 1800s England whatever that one was right it had to, was that Liberation no no fuck okay. I, I can't remember it's all good but... I, they're like all right there but like they're all like i've got like they're all front and center of me right there but i, can't I would look behind me and look at my shelf but those are all packed away uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> we'll keep talking and i'll i'll fill in the gap because <laughs> it was like um it wasn't liberation it was uh fuck i just remembered like the brother was bisexual uh okay. canon which was really great for me. I, I played it to, as him a lot, but the girl was great too. Uh, the grapple system was really amazing in that game. Uh, but yeah, I really didn't like any of the other Assassin's Creed's really. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of got bored by Origins before I even started it. Was it uh, Josh was it, is still away. Was it Syndicate? Syndicate, that's yeah. the one. Okay. It is. Mm, that's the one. <laughs> For listeners, uh, Josh just held up Syndicate with just his hand, and no, nothing else was there, not even him. But yeah, Syndicate was the one. Anyway, Josh, I have two more questions for you. Yeah, man, I'm having so much fun. By the way, (laughs) me too. This is great. (laughs) I love you. You're great. I love Mm. talking to you about video games. Much love for like existing in my life and existing at all. Mm-hmm. I'm a blessing to this world, my friend. Let's go. All right. Another big difference between the RPGs of Japan and the rest of the world would be the art style and world building. There's definitely a contrast in the styles. How would you mm-hmm. define that difference? Mm-hmm. I would say JRPGs are typically more cartoony and Western RPGs are more, try, try to be more steeped in realism. You're right. I would say Japanese RPGs are more colorful and fantastical and Western RPGs are more gritty and realistic. Mm-hmm. But Nier Automata is like, it's almost like Western and Eastern meet, but it's still yeah. Eastern though. Yeah, yeah totally. Cause it, it's almost like with Nier Automata, it's like uh, kind of washed out colors, but fantastical places at the same time. Yeah. Cause I think mm-hmm. of like the amusement park where the castle is like weirdly shaped with a heart in the middle of it and like a roller coaster. But then you're going through that desert and like all those ruined buildings also. Mm-hmm. That's where you all see the robots. place in the year 11,000. I mean, you'd see the robots doing their thing. Yep. <laughs> Booking, <laughs> you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has, I mean, if anybody hasn't played it, that's so, what the, that, that whole thing, uh, never mind. It's just a crazy ride. <laughs> It's an awesome ride. Yeah, like when you think about it, uh, Final Fantasy. Um, Final Fantasy is a series that's really prolific in JRPGs, and and uh, up to about five, it was more fantasy. But then when six and onwards went, it was starting to be a lot more steampunk, like sci-fi, fantasy. Uh, Final Fantasy seven. Um, as people will know it and play it as Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's kind of like a like a modern but like in history type of steampunky mechanical kind of world in Midgar. Mm-hmm. 
but that that world is rooted in fantasy um but then the the rest of the games kind of went on that way where there were cars um convenience stores especially like uh you're talking about 15 right now that slurping is my dog by the way but (laughs) sorry about that she needs she needs her sustenance sweet lady uh final fantasy 15 i think uh really really showed that where it was like convenience stores you were near car it really looked like modern day mixed with fantasy but i think most other jrpgs of back then and this age also are more rooted in colorful fantasy type of worlds mm-hmm. and then when you play a western rpg you're more looking forward to something that's more gritty and dirty and um, less colorful i would say more more um more more close to what you see in sci-fi movies in hollywood even i would say yeah that's good yeah that's fair yeah that's fair what about world building though do you think there's a difference i feel like um no not really i mean not really i'm not sure right i'm not gonna be like a hundred percent positive on this but i feel like uh western rpgs kind of do a lot more lore and back building on the worlds that you don't necessarily have to invest yourself in but i feel like there's a lot of uh books you can pick up or um notes you can read that like really explain the world as opposed to jrpgs because i don't mm-hmm. feel like i could say there's a lot of that in the jrpgs i see jrpgs well, is kind of a tongue yeah. twister but if you were decide, if you if you're like me when you played the original mass effect and you read all the stuff that you could pick up all the codexes and then you got then i got the book too that was about um it's about how uh i got anderson it's from anderson's point of view when he works with Saren, and uh they totally talk about the thermal clips man <laughs> they talk about how they don't have to replace the clips because it takes off little shavings of the gun and shoots it and then the second game comes out and you're like what the fuck is this <laughs> No, actually, I think you reminded me of something because um, I feel like you get a lot of, in Western RPGs, you get a lot of those notes, you get a lot of codex, you get a lot of um, books you can read uh, that explain the lore of the world in games. I think of Dragon Age also that had a lot of, a ton of things you could read on in Mass Effect also. It has like a ton of codex that you could read that explain the world. But I was thinking of Xenogears because, like I said, I've been listening to Retrograde Amnesia where they're analyzing Xenogears. And there's a lot of things that get left unexplained about that game, especially since uh, the game ends, spoiler alert, with uh, a message at the end that says end of episode five. Mm -hmm. And you're led to believe that Xenogears was supposed to be episode five of six episodes and a lot of the lore gets explained, a lot of the world and a lot of uh, details get explained in a book called The Perfect Works of Xenogears. Mm-hmm. And that none of that's in the game, but a lot of these things that explain what's happening aren't yeah. even in the game at all. They're in the book. Right. So there's like tons of detail that's just left out of the game, maybe from constraint of budget or time. Maybe that's a lot of JRPGs, but I feel like a lot of uh, world building in Western RPGs gets put into the game as opposed to JRPGs where a lot of the lore is kind of left to um, outside sources. If it's a confusing game like Xenogears, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah that's, I, that's absolutely true. I think you're right about that. And it still happens with JRPGs to this day that you might not, you might not, you might have to go look at expanded media to find out more about the game if you're that interested. Mm-hmm. Even near, um, yep. I have a uh, a couple books on that, but uh, they're Japanese, so I don't know what I'm missing out on. But <laughs> I'm sure, you can get a PDF translation, my friend. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean that's how that's one way to look at the uh, perfect works for uh, Xenogears is to get the PDF. And perfect works is not like a unique name. It's like a what a lot of games and uh, anime mm-hmm. come out with. It's a a name for a book that explains a lot of things. So mm-hmm. it, it's a it's just details that get left out of the main product. And I don't really there's not really a lot of that in Western RPGs. I not really. Think. Not really. No. Mm-hmm. This is an adaption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even then, if it's an adaption, it may not be the the whatever it's being adapted from may not be, you know, 100% one for one. Like The Witcher is a great example of that. The games are very different from the books. But they still same characters. Some of the same events still happen, but they're not the same. Like if you were to talk to the uh, the author of the books, he would say that the, the games don't represent his books. Really? Yeah. yeah. Does he not <laughs> like the games? Uh, it's been a while, but I want to. It's been a while since I looked into it. But I want to say, yeah, I think he, he, he. Uh, so first off, CD Projekt went to him and said, "Hey, we want to adapt your books into a video game." He was cool with it. They did it. Witcher Three came out and it blew up, and um, he was like, "Where's my money?" And they're like, "We never signed a contract." <laughs> oh. So they did settle. Mm. They did settle. He did get some. There, I can't. Uh, I can't. Remember. It's Andrew or Andy. I can't. Remember. I um. I can't remember his name. I'm gonna butcher his name. But either way, yeah. Originally, he didn't care. He's like, dude, go ahead and do it. Make the games. Um. And then they succeeded making when the third one came out, and he was wondering where his royalties were, but that was never agreed upon. But they did. Yeah. Okay. So now I know if I uh, read a story and I sign it over to somebody to make a game of it, I'm going to be very specific about uh, that you contract. Should be, you should be, but you can make time. one game. <laughs> you can make one game and then you come back to me and make a new contract. Right. No, no, I'm just, I'm just saying like, it's just, it's, it's just like how movies are any type of adaptions. Just, you know, there's usually, usually it's usually there. It's not, you know, it's something, it's usually a different creation. It's a little bit of a different beast. It grew, yeah. an extra, it grew an extra tail or it didn't grow a tail at all. <laughs> yeah. So side topic, I, that's kind of my dream is like to make a comic book that would get picked up to be made into a video game. And then I would hope to be like hired on as like a artistic um, director you wanna be, you wanna be or like a, or at least like an advisor. Yeah. yeah. To direct mm-hmm. the story as like I saw in my story, the way I couldn't tell it as I want to tell it in a video game. But the only way I couldn't tell it, the way the only way I could tell a story uh, now would be through a comic book or through writing it and drawing stories that accompany the work. But yeah, if I was writing a contract for that to be uh, interpreted into a video game, thank you for telling me that. I'm gonna be like, you can only make one video game, no shows, no movies, no, no nothing, and no other games. Just this one video game, and you want to do something else. Let's write a new contract. <laughs> right. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's important, but I'm just, I, mean, I guess I just, I just, that was a huge, so for me, I was definitely a side tangent. I just wanted to bring that up. It's just that, you know, sometimes. That's interesting. Um, I'm glad you did. Mm-hmm. So I, yes. 
sometimes the expand sometimes when you're looking for expanded material it's not always one for ones or even yeah because like, that maybe that sucks for the artist you know that like somebody else takes it and goes like way far away with it and then like they succeed and make a ton of money with it that kind of sucks for you as the person who created it you know uh, yeah it's an interesting thing <laughs> you're interesting. like uh, well mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no they should have gone and fucked themselves from the beginning <laughs> and uh it's just no no it's just, I, just, I feel i you know i just i still i just you know it's one of those things where it's like you just gotta be you just gotta be careful like you know and that's that's yeah, a, that's, you, a, yeah. that's the thing about intellectual property trust yeah i got one more question for you do you want to hear it mm, absolutely between jrpgs and western rpgs we have our favorites in both mm-hmm. what are some of your favorites and why oh man <laughs> no it's kind of feel like uh you know, almost like a record so <laughs> um we've already been talking about it so we don't have to rehash on uh the things right that, so right. we can say like mass effect we love we've already talked about why we love mass effect so we mm-hmm. can like put that in the back burner i wouldn't say it's my favorite though for, for when it comes to west it's one west, of my favorites when it I'll comes put yeah, that on the yeah it's definitely yeah, on I'll my put list. That out there. i would say like when it comes to western though for me it's witcher three witcher three takes it um that's crazy yeah when it comes to eastern <laughs> games um, I'm gonna leave my absolute favorite out of it because just I'm not, you know, I'm beating the crap. Yeah, I was beating the crap out of it. Um, Josh uh, loves the gears, everybody. I, I know it's like yeah, but uh, you know, here, you know, so I, do I. Also, <laughs> I think we've we've talked a lot about Zen gears oh, already, God, yeah. so I'm gonna put it out there. I do. I think Zen gears is one of the best RPGs ever made. I think it's one of the best games ever made, and they suffered from uh, a lot of problems and uh, budgetary and time crises. But uh, you know what? It's still <laughs> the story makes it worth it. Like even even though the game kind of falls apart, uh, the second disc has uh, a lot of uh, gameplay missing. You can see where the budget falls apart. Uh, Gears really is a great game, and uh, mm-hmm. I, Josh isn't going to say it because he doesn't want to. But I think <laughs> Gears is still one of the best games ever made and one of the best RPGs of all time. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I might have to say. Let's just go. You know, I'll go with my second favorite. <laughs> I'll go with Chrono Cross. <laughs> so, That's a good game. Um, I might have to say the reason why Chrono Cross is one of one of my favorites is um, actually think about you know near Automata and all the multiple endings. Whereas, um, or think of games where you can replay it. You can you can replay them. You you go back and do you go back and do like a new game plus. Chrono Cross has that feature. You have new game plus in Chrono Cross, mm-hmm. and the reason why is because it's how you you have to play multiple times to recruit all the characters. Yeah, you can't get all the characters on your first playthrough. Yeah. So, and um, I, I think I said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I haven't. I'm hoping one day, one day, I'm going to try doing this. I'm not going to go on online to see if anybody's done this, but is to fight when you pl- all games have a last boss to fight typically so i'm not spoiling anything but when you fight the last boss i want to see if it's possible to get the true ending i'm not gonna say what the true ending is but to get the true ending with no one but the main character in your party so i remember I that yeah yeah i haven't tried that yet um i have two options i can either dig out my playstation and use the same file from like 20 years ago. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but like 20 years ago from last time I played. 
Um, more like you know, 15 years ago when I played the game last. I can and use my original file because I'm on I'm on the last playthrough to do that, or I can start start fresh and play through all the game again. I did that on my first playthrough, but um, I was going off of a guide from GameFAQs.com. Uh-huh. That's GameFAQs, F-A-Q-S dot com. Right. I recommend looking up a, a guide and just playing it that way because that's how I play Chrono Cross because that game's hard to navigate through if you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> True. But uh, yeah, I, I think I did that. And I just, I, I can't remember what the ending was because I was probably drinking or something. But <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm pretty sure when it comes to Chrono Cross's ending is it's doesn't matter. I don't think it's going to be any different. It's not going to be like me. I've already gotten all the endings my first time playing to the game. Not first time playing, but, you know, my first experience playing the game. Um, I got all the endings. So all I want to do is just see if you can get the true ending with just the main character. So I, and, I, I swear that's the only way you can do it though, right? Because you have to start mm-hmm. a new game and go straight to the ending Mm-mm. from the beginning. Oh, it's just, um, no, you just have to use something called the Chrono Cross. But yeah, you have to do that at the beginning, right? Because no, I, no, I swear, can, like when I did you can that, do it, you can do it either right away or you can play through the whole game. But all, to get the true endings, you have to you just have to use a Chrono Cross. Either way, I just remember like <laughs> I did it alone, and then you have to do like the way that you color like the. The elements in order. Yep, Chrono Cross. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. that's where I did it alone. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, maybe See, like yeah, you... I, I can't tell you the, sp- the specifics, so it doesn't really seem like I have anything of merit. So I should play <laughs> that game again. <laughs> Actually, I should play Chrono Trigger because uh, I've never played that, and uh, I think oh, Chrono yeah, Cross man. would be more meaningful if I had played Chrono Trigger. Uh, you can play. You don't have to play Trigger. Play. Uh, tr- uh, uh, you don't have to play Trigger to understand Chrono Cross. But when you play trigger and any play chrono cross you'll understand more the history of some of the characters no girl, I, that's what i said is it would be character. more meaningful but it's just one character it's just one character though did you see that luca was in xenogears also because i just noticed that yeah. from mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah i never noticed that before yeah luca's one of the main characters actually <laughs> i know yeah <laughs> yeah girl <laughs> i ain't no child mm-hmm. um i guess if you're a listener to this podcast who's listened to past episodes, I would definitely recommend playing Wild Arms. If you have the PlayStation Classic that came out that um, had like 20 games on it, Wild Arms is included on that. And I think it's one of my favorite games of all time, if not the the favorite game of all time for me. It was my first RPG. It's what got me into RPGs. It is a JRPG. It came out the same year as Final Fantasy VII, which is why it got overlooked. But um, that game, the reason it got me into JRPGs is because the story was incredible. It it really, it, it gives you only three characters. So they each have like a crazy character arc that like continues through the whole game. And then you get the character arc of the villains, which I don't see in too many RPGs these days, but they give you the story of the villains too. And what, what their motivation is. And I love a good motivation from a villain as opposed to like, I just want to kill people and be evil. Like I fucking hate that. Like, give me why, why do you want to do that? You know? So wild arms gives you that final fantasy seven gives you that too. So final fantasy seven recommended also. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VIII also. Final Fantasy Nine also. Yep, nine. Final Fantasy Ten sh- also. No, nine for sure. <laughs> sh- nine for sure. Holy cow, man! That. 
God, how playing. can you like talk about your favorite RPGs? There's so many. Star Ocean, There's, the yeah. second story. Right. Um, but I never finished that one. Alundra. I never played it. didn't play Alundra. I bought it because I was like, it looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually like one of the one of the attempts to make a, a non-Zelda game. Breath of Fire 4. Breath of Fire 4 is amazing. Yes. <laughs> that's a Capcom. By the way, that's Capcom too. Yeah, Capcom I know. I, yeah. Bought, I bought Breath of Fire 3 at a mom and pop store and I haven't been able to play it yet because uh, my PlayStation 3 isn't connected. But yeah, I want to play mm. Breath of Fire 3 because Breath, Breath of Fire 4 is so good. Let me see if 3 is good. <laughs> if I recall too, that those games aren't connected. They just, there's like, they're kind of like Final Fantasy. Legend of Dragoon. Right. Right, right. And we're talking like talking all these JRPGs, man. Or is the love for the <laughs> let's just drop names. Parasite Eve, Vagrant Story. Right? Uh De- Tales of Destiny, Tales of Destiny 2. Lunar Silver Star Story. Mm-hmm. Arc the Lad. Yeah, I was there. I'm just gonna throw in Fallout. Galarians. Yeah. Galarians isn't an RPG. Absolutely it is. No, it isn't. I think so. I think it's we'll a horror RPG. Yeah, no. I think it's a horror <laughs> RPG. Yep, yep. Kodolka. Kodolka, I could agree with. Not yep. Galarians. I'll, I love Galarians, but that's not an RPG. That's a no, survival I think, horror. I think it is. But no. okay. No. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Age Origins. It, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I wonder if we'll ever, they actually, if they ever, if Bioware ever decides to do a, a thing for, like they did with Mass Effect for uh, Dragon Age. Oh, my to, God. If they do well, I, I if they do, they need to. They have to do. Um, they can't just do a re-release. Well, here's the thing I gotta say about Mass Effect Legendary Edition: only Bioware can bring back their old game and put more bugs into it. <laughs> sure. Sorry, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, no, you're actually right. Actually, I did experience bugs that I didn't experience before. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. But uh, overall, best part is like when you're good. driving, you're driving your mate, you're driving, you're, you're, you're in your Mako, which by the way is one of my favorite things to do in the first game is a, is a, is a drive around the Mako is uh, you're driving on a flat surface and all of a sudden your car, your, your Mako just stops and but your wheels are still spinning. <laughs> or like your character is facing like the opposite direction your camera is going in. So mm-hmm. like movement is like really hard and weird for a second, mm-hmm. but you can still shoot the direction though, but you're not really quite shooting the way you want to shoot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then here's one too. I only experienced this my first time playing through, which means it might have been patched. But um, when you're in the Mako and you get out of it to like grab like a, a resource, uh, my character, you get out, I get out, and then I would the circle would be there for me to press X to you know mark the the mineral, but I couldn't interact with the mineral, and I couldn't get back in the Mako. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd have to. Um, I'd have to save, reload my save, and then I'd be all good to go. Sorry, but that's the thing. That's, that's my thing. Is like if they were to, Bioware was like, hey, if Legacy or yeah, you know, if yeah, Legacy, if Legendary is successful, let's do the same thing for Dragon Age. We'll do the you know the origins with the expansion, and then we'll do Dragon Age two with Inquisition. And um, if they were to do something like that, though, I I'm afraid because I don't think they could. Dragon First Age, one. the Dragon Age Origins has such awful graphics. Like, right. I don't know how they would improve on that. Like, <laughs> even if they put new lighting on it, it's still kind of like awful graphics. Mm-hmm. When I played it, even like <sighs> Dragon Age, I'm, don't get me wrong, audience mm-hmm. out there, Dragon Age Origins is one of my favorite games yeah, of all times. Yeah. Of all times. Of all time. But when I first played it, I was like, oh my God. 
these graphics suck. And I don't know what it is, but like, I think maybe it was to like, for them to spread out and make the game as big as it was. And like, eventually you do get used to it. Mm. Uh, but you're not playing that that game for the graphics. You're playing it for mm-hmm. for what the game is, which is an incredible, amazing Here's game. the thing that's crazy about it. Mass Effect came out before Dragon Age did. And I know. Looked, and it was, it like, was like, <laughs> it was like, why is this game so ugly? Right. So that, that's, I, was, I was playing it, like I was thinking about it because, like, but when both these games, when both when both first Mass Effect came out and Dragon, the first Dragon Age came out, came out to me, was very defining times in my early adulthood as far as experiences with my experiences with my grandfather. And um, so those two games, actually, the, the very first Dragon Age and the very first um, Mass Effect have a lot of sentimental um value to me so they're not mm-hmm. just they're they're not just games for me they're 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 literally life experiences for me well for me too because dragon age origins was the first game i bought when i moved to san diego from here in colorado mm-hmm. and i was moving out there on my own and we i didn't even have an apartment to live in i i, I slept on a couch when i moved out there but it was the first game i bought I don't know why it just looked interesting and then yeah when i started playing i was like wow this game's ugly but then i started playing it and like had this amazing experience with it and then like as i was playing that game then yeah i finally got to move into an apartment and then like finish it and really play the whole game out so that's what my memories with that game are tied to is like mm-hmm. making my life fully independent on my own for the first time and having this crazy experience where I don't want to get into it, but like, uh, basically, uh, I got lucky and moved into a place where it was like a gay neighborhood and like being gay was like the normality and I'd never experienced that before and it completely changed my life and playing that game in that time of my life was so amazing. Uh, I, that's probably one of the other reasons I love Dragon Age and probably stuck with it is because that was one of the best times in my life and really uh, mm-hmm. changed me into the person I am today. So yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to oh, take oh, that away from g- you, but like we, we obviously <laughs> have strong ties with that game to our lives. And uh, it, I think it's important to us like uh, personally for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And I'm still pissed off. That they go from the first mass effect to the second mass effect. And all of a sudden you have to deal with bullet economy. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Before we wrap up this uh, this whole episode, I also wanted to bring up Threads of Fate. That's one of my favorite that. games of all okay. time, too. Mega Man Legends, really great RPG also. Uh, one of my favorite games. That's of an all RPG? Time I would consider that one. You build up, you get new equipment, you level up your character for sure. Yeah, it's a Galarian's totally. You know, you, you, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> that probably popped my microphone. No! <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. You know, potatoes, potatoes. So it's all good. Okay, guys, our next week's episode might be a little weird. We're trying to figure out what we're going to do because uh, we're all going to be busy, busy living our lives and we all got business to take care of, but we'll, uh, we'll still give you an episode. Okay. Mm. Okay. Be patient with us, sir. (laughs) We'll do it for you, mister. (laughs) Just give us a chance. Okay. It's going to happen. I swear. Just two more weeks, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Oh, man. All right. right. Anything else you have to say about RPGs, mister? No, y'all. No, y'all. I just hope you guys are having fun playing games right now. Play games. Have fun. Do Mm -hmm. what you want to do. 
Special thanks to Anchor.fm for hosting and distributing our podcast. You can visit our website at anchor.fm slash TCOG. If you'd like to reach out and ask us questions or give us feedback directly, you can find us on Twitter at Cauldron Gaming or email us at thecauldronofgaming at gmail.com. Extreme gratitude goes to Naughty Bits for providing us with the primary music we use on our show. To find out more about him, find his music on SoundCloud at Naughty Bits, all one word. Or check out the description of the episode for the link. We shuffle through classic tracks throughout the history of gaming for our outros. So be sure to check out the episode descriptions for more information on that as well. We also have an ongoing playlist, as you heard before, with our new segment that we add songs to weekly. We will also have a link below to our Spotify playlist, uh, including all those songs. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our little podcast on the listening platform of your choice. It really helps us get out there, and we'd love to connect with more gaming witches, wizards, and the magical of heart out there. La c'est le bon temps roulé. Be you. Be kind. Game on. <laughs>